Hi, this is Larry Cavi, the voice of Lionel from Thundercat. Hi, this is Allison Court, better known as Claire Redfield. Hey, this is Chris Jericho. Hi, this is Stan Bush. I'm Eric Stewart, the voice of Brock and James from Pokemon. This is Laura Summer from Real Bell Frustrated. Well, hey, kids, it's me, Townsend Coleman, the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You're listening to Operation Retroshock. 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 Thunder. 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 Thundercat. Cowabunga! Oh! Dudes. Hello and welcome to another edition of Operation Retroshock. I am Alan Price and alongside me as always is... Chris Wayne. Chris Wayne? Yeah, as in Bruce Wayne. Huh? What? Why? <laughs> as in Batman? I know, but why? That's... doesn't make any sense to you. Well, it's better being like... Well, it could be Vento Man or Vintman, but it's not as cool as Batman. Alright, that's okay. It's not as cool as Batman. Why do you have to be so unkind? You see what I did there? You see what I did? You see what I did there? Uh, what? Oh, you want me to introduce yeah, Lawrence? Yeah, please. Okay. I introduced him the last time. Okay, well, you may have heard, I think it was episode two, was it, Alan? Yes. That we had some guy on talking about Ghostbusters. And what was the other thing we talked about as well? I can't remember either. I can't remember it was that long ago. But welcome to Mr. Lawrence Case. Hello to you, Lawrence. Hello, hello. It's Lawrence Grayson. Lawrence Grayson, is it? Oh. Yes, 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 as in Dick. As in Dick. Well, don't call Lawrence that. That's not fair. Lawrence is a great man. You're mm. the, you're the, oh. yeah. I, but I believe we spoke about WrestleMania eight, and that's yes, what it was. Lawrence can remember. <laughs> yes, we've done. So, I'd like to say we've done so many shows, but uh, we really haven't. But anyway, see, people so, will be thinking it's a fix that I'm on here because I won the uh, Marcus Phoenix bowhead. Yeah, it was all fair. All fair and above <laughs> board, and monetary values were exchanged. I mean, nothing was exchanged or anything, or you know, um, anything. But um, Lawrence, obviously, as we said, was on episode two from Ministry of Slam and the awesome, awesome band that is Voodoo Vegas. So, uh, Lawrence, we've waxed lyrical about Ghostbusters. Now we're talking about Batman. So, uh, are you looking forward to having our first discussion to do with the 1989 film, yes. which was Batman? Good. It's good. Good. Okay. So uh, we'll just crack on with the first Batman, so we will. And um, I'll send this over to you, Lawrence, because this is this one. This is whenever little price was little itty bitty <laughs> baby. So released seven days um, before Mr. Price came into the earth. Um, <laughs> did Alan maybe watch it whenever he's a fortnight old? Who knows? But um, Lawrence, what do you remember about the first time you watched this film? The first time I watched this, I think I watched it on like videotape actually the first time because I was only six when it came out, so I don't think I saw it at the cinema. So yeah, it was on videotape. I watched it the first time it came out, and I, I remember when it was coming out. Like, there was a big thing on the room and news rounds on the BBC. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> John Craven. <laughs> I remember that. Like, I just remember because I got back from school. It was a big thing about the new Batman film. I think it was like made a 15. It was one of the first 15 films or mm-hmm. first 12 rating films. I remember that when it first came out. Definitely strong thoughts on that, but yeah, I definitely saw it on video for the first time. 
Yeah, I think I was probably the same. I don't think I was. I wasn't old enough to go to the cinema. To say it, obviously, Alan, you you weren't either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, one thing about as Lawrence says about it being a fifteen really uh, fifteen rated um, movie. The one thing that makes me laugh is the Karate Kid is a fifteen rated movie, <laughs> which really? I don't yeah, which I don't understand. But I think I remember watching this um, with my dad, and I don't think we had the video. I think we saw it on TV. And him and I sat and watched it and just uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And some of the certain things that we'll obviously discuss here. But Alan, obviously you were a... Uh, it'll, it'll be a baby. But um, what do you remember about the very first time you saw it? Well, um, obviously... Which I was yesterday, obviously. No. Around <laughs> <laughs> um, your friend's house. <laughs> yay, Lawrence! Yay! This man knows it all too well. This he does. Well. Um, this... For me, I actually saw this out of sequence. I saw Batman Returns first, so mm-hmm. I did. Um, so even though I saw this when I was young, my initial idea was, why does Bruce Wayne look different? <laughs> uh, I didn't realize that there could be such a different actor for the same character, but mm-hmm. uh, it was one of those ones that uh, I was really big into Batman when I was a kid, you know, watched the animated series and all that sort of stuff. So. When I eventually got the chance to watch the VHS, I jumped at it with open arms. VHS. <laughs> so weird, isn't it? So, Lawrence, um, did you like the way the character of Batman was, in inverted commas, born in this film? Yeah, it's very good, very good. But, I mean, we didn't really see him becoming Batman, did we? He was just there at the start. But, I mean, it was very good. And, obviously, the whole thing of the um, of the opera, how opera with his parents, that was really good. It was mm-hmm. just generally... Great film, great Batman. Michael Keane was a very good Batman, I thought. Yes, I would totally agree with you there. The first, um, shot him, first shot of him with the um, the criminals who were attacking. One him. was Christopher Fairbank from Our Vader's Empire. There you go. Really? Yeah, there's a little bit of trivia for you. It's the one who goes like, "Who are you?" and he goes like, "I'm Batman." Yeah, it's Christopher Fairbanks. So, yes, obviously it's nice to see the way he actually comes into the film and then see more about the Bruce Wayne persona and that kind of thing and seeing the mansion and just everything. It's kind of like the way... I've never been a big comic book reader, but I would imagine if people who read comic books, this was kind of their heaven, so to speak, because it stayed very true to the comic books and all that. Well, especially after what we got with the Adam West, the last live-action Batman was Adam West Batman. (laughs) Yeah, and then he went on to be the mayor of Quahog. Yes. yes. (laughs) For me, um, the way you were saying about, obviously, the whole comic book and getting a chance to see it there, you know, on the big screen and the like, it was kind of like for us in recent years uh, when Transformers came out, Mm -hmm. you got to see Transformers in a more real-life and big screen experience. So for the chance to see the likes of Wayne Manor, the Batcave, and even the Batmobile in a proper real-life situation Mm -hmm. was outstanding. Okay. It's very, it's very inspired by the Dark Knight Returns, wasn't it? The uh, Frankie Miller, uh, yeah. uh, graphic novel. So it was very obviously all the bat- that was a very, very dark Batman, uh, Batman graphic novel at the time. And um, this uh, Tim Burton was very inspired by that for this film, wasn't he? Exactly. Tim Burton is the absolute god of darky films. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So in my opinion, this is true. Jack Nicholson. Would he be the best Batman villain portrayal ever, Lawrence? Mm, I can't decide, mate. I, I can't <laughs> decide on this. There's, uh, obviously, we're going to get onto the other films, but uh, I don't know. Yes, 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 he is. But he just played Jack Nicholson. He's, he, he just played Jack Nicholson. Plays Jack Nicholson in every <laughs> film. 
He was just Jack Nicholson being the Joker, which is very cool because Jack Nicholson is very cool. But um, yeah, Jack Nicholson plays Jack Nicholson. I think he was the best best villain portrayal ever, though. I don't know. Not sure, dudes. What do you think? For me, I would say he would be in the top two for sure. It's, I'm a bit like yourself. I would be torn as who to say is number one. Between him and Arnie. <laughs> Between him and Arnie, yes, absolutely. Between him and Arnie. Um, well, I, I, I think, I think um, it's him or Heath Ledger, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's between yeah. those two. Uh, funny that it's between two Jokers and not, you know, anybody else. But uh, you're like, like you said, Lawrence. It's Jack Nicholson only turned up to eleven, in my opinion. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a great performance, and it's one that you never get tired of watching. You know, like yeah. it's just the effort that he puts into it. You know, and obviously not taken away from Michael Keaton being a very good Batman. But it's just you had a very good Batman, you had a very good villain as well. Whereas in some of the episodes, or some of the um, films, sorry, you may have had a good Batman, but not a very good villain, or good villains and not a very good Batman, that kind of thing. But um, So Alan, would you have liked to see, speaking of Jack Nicholson and Joker, would you have liked to see the Joker born in a different way, or were you happy that it stuck to the comic book roots? No, I'm happy it stuck to the comic book roots, because... uh it was obviously it was the first uh, major Batman movie in such a long time that uh, it would, was there to keep fans happy, you know, so stick to the story of how Joker actually came about. But uh, I think it's just class with the way you know he falls in the whole the big tank, and then you just see him in the sea or the lake or the river or something like that after, and you just see his hand coming out of the water. Yeah, and I just fabulous. Fabulous. Okay, Lawrence. I agree with Alan. It's a great, great way of him him coming, uh, being born. It was great. I really loved it. You know, mm. especially the way how he just dropped and like, "Who are you?" And Batman drops him down. It's great. Loved it. <laughs> and obviously the pit with the mirror and like the mirror, yep. and then you just see him looking at it and then just laughing. And obviously it reminds me of the Simpsons whenever Lisa's getting her braces in and it's like a big headgear and she goes <laughs> the mirror. And then you just hear her laughing as well, but it it was just um it was great to see how it was, and then oh, as you say, like the hand just you know eventually going down, and then just seeing him stumbling around, and it's the best he could do. Um, but Lawrence, um, again focusing on the Joker, even though it's Batman, um, did you like how twisted the Joker was performing his crimes? You know, making it so people couldn't use products such as soap, etc. Otherwise, would die laughing, very much like the. Hyenas and he from Roger Rabbit. No, it's very, very good, dudes. Very good. I liked it because it's like ironic, isn't it? Obviously, because the Joker's all messed up, looking. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought he looked quite cool, but obviously, he thought he looked bad as the Joker, and he makes it so people can't make themselves up, so everyone else has to look bad. Very clever, very clever way of uh, ruining people's lives and killing people too. Yeah. And especially in the eight in an 80s film as well, you know, that yeah. was a big thing, wasn't it? You know, yeah. makeup and big hair and all that. So it was very good how they sort of sorted that out, and the great, great storyline there. I think it's cool that the fact of uh, it's again, obviously, we'll get on to the likes of Dark Knight, but that the Joker uses just normal, normal things. He doesn't, you know, use big fancy things. He goes out, and it's like you can't use soap, you can't use makeup or anything like that, or you will cough it. And that's just. It shows you the whole level of how Joker is so twisted. Well, between that and then at the end, where he has the balloons, mm-hmm. yeah, and that, then they have the. Great. 
very fancy those massive balloons. Yeah, and they could like he stole my balloons. Yeah, I just always crease at that. But yeah, th- just um, that there. Obviously, I remember that from the computer game. I think it was on the Commodore 64 where you had to go through and you had to actually catch the balloons in the plane, which I thought was awesome. But uh, Alan, obviously, well, in case this is a spoiler alert, that the Joker killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Oh, what? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, did you enjoy this plotline and how it made Batman go after Joker? Oh, this was absolutely amazing. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my lord. Um, because it just opens up the story to a whole new different level. Because mm-hmm. obviously you were, you know, identified with Bruce and was like, oh, his parents, you know, they got killed, you know, the night of the opera and all that sort of stuff. But then to see that it was in fact the Joker that brought the pain and, you know, basically brought about the eventual start of Batman. It's, mm-hmm. you know, himself, the, you know, thoughts in Bruce Wayne's mind and the like. But uh, it's the whole. It wasn't much finding Joker out, but it's the hearing of his line. Yeah. He says, what is it exactly? It's something... Yeah, dancing, dancing with the devil light. in yeah. the pale moonlight. Yep, that's, <laughs> he knows it. That's the one. He's done this research. You obviously haven't. How? I'm not a good one for quotes. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, Lawrence? Yeah, great, man. It's great. And you didn't know it until halfway through. Although you probably could kind of guess it. But um, it's very good. And uh, when it was... Well, I think... Weren't Bruce and Vicky on a date? Or Bruce went round Vicky Bale's house and then he was going to shoot him. And then he said, yeah, let me ask you something. Did you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? He shot him and... Oh, yeah, yeah. Bruce went after the in front of the fireplace. Yes, yeah. 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 And he had, the, he had the, uh, the tray, didn't he? Serving tray underneath his clothes and got shot. That's when yeah. he realised that it was the Joker. That was the uh, Joker killed his parents. It was awesome. Loved it. Okay. Um, Lawrence as well the revealing of the Batman signal uh, comes at the end of the film for you did this make the film even more iconic? well definitely man and it made it obviously look like they're going to make more films with the Batman signal being put up in the sky the film film is iconic anyway just from the the film poster that bat sign is iconic it's an iconic thing much like the Superman S it's just two iconic signs and but in the bat signal in the end of that film does make it much more iconic, yes. Um. It's one of those mark out moments that you see the bat signal because who as a kid wouldn't have wanted to, you know, look out their window and see like the bat logo in the sky. I would have like, th- preferred to see a Thundercat symbol. Well that's your personal choice. This is my yeah. personal choice. So okay. but that's my opinion. Or a Robin sign. Uh, no. No, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, I'll probably just listen to that. Um, so, in 1989, the film cost $48 million to make and went on to make $411 million. Lawrence, for you, does this put other films made this decade to shame? You know, we've had certain classic flops, say, as Waterworld, and I think Scott Pilgrim vs. World hasn't um, achieved what it actually made. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Was that 411 million at the box office? Yeah, for 1989, I guess really? 48 million Jews. That's amazing, especially back in those days as well, when cinema prices were that, that were like cinema ticket prices were much cheaper then. But as well, yeah, that's, it does put films to shame this this decade, doesn't it? Especially, and the storyline is so good. And then you look at a horrible film like Transformers: Revenge of the Decepticons or whatever it's called. It's Oi! Oh, you watch it. You watch yourself. Kiss it's just really in front of CGI stuff, and there's no CGI in that film. It's it's amazing that film. Love it. You know, it does, it does put films to shame this decade. Yeah. It definitely does. You don't you don't get no story. I mean, that's why the Dark Knight was so good. It's all story driven. 
as well. But then with the amazing special effect, well, with this like explosions and things. But we're going to get to that later on, aren't we? Yes. Okay. Alan. Um, four hundred and eleven million for nineteen eighty nine really does just show how good a film it was. Be interesting to see what that would translate to in this day. Nowadays, yeah, yeah. I would say I could say uh, it would probably be. I think Dark Knight made something about just over one billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So I think if you put it, you know, from nineteen eighty nine to now, it probably wouldn't be too far off getting close to the billion pound, you know, billion dollar mark even mm-hmm. sort of thing. But 411 million is so much money for, 19, for 1989 like yeah. it is so yeah. scary because it was Titanic made near the 1 billion mark for 97 so for 411 million in 1989 it actually just blows your mind and considering there's such a small budget it's made on because they're saying like you can't even make a film nowadays for anything less than 50 million so for to produce yeah. a Batman movie for this price Especially some people like Jack Nicholson and Keith Kim Basinger and Michael Keaton who just come off the back of Beetlejuice. You know, they were exactly. big stars back then. Well, Jack Nicholson was always a big star, but obviously Michael Keaton was huge back then as well, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know that's the thing. It's like me. The likes of if you were to have say a Tom Cruise in a Mission Impossible nowadays, he'd probably be getting a hundred, a hundred and twenty-five. Or, uh, or Harrison Ford and in Indiana Jones. Yeah, I'd be scared to see what he got from it. You know, but okay. Um, Alan, um, we're obviously going to rank these very much, uh, not like we did with the Star Wars ones. That but, was confusing um, on the Star Wars ones. I thought you were doing it in order at the start. We, w- we, we were, were originally. Me- we, we were, were meant to, and then I think the guys didn't understand it, and I kind of went by the wayside. So it's because they're from America. <gasps> oh, <laughs> Lawrence said that, not us, not us. Uh, so, Alan, if number one is your favourite, and six the worst, i.e. Batman and Robin, uh, and you can only use this number once... Ah, no... Where would you rank this? I never. I haven't even put much thought into this. I have. Um, I'm probably going to go three. Three? Okay. Lawrence? Tough one, dudes. Tough one. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go for three as well. I'm going to go for one. One? Yep. Why? Because this is my favourite Batman movie. Oh. <laughs> kind of speaks for itself. Um, but I've always enjoyed this film. It's, I enjoy this film... And three of the other Batman f- films, which I'll not t- say what, um, but this is like my num- number uno one. Um, so that I've got the best one out of the road. It's kind of a case of where do the other ones rank. Um, yes. So uh, join us after the break whenever we'll be discussing Batman as he returns. You're listening to a podcast on popculturenetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on store. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, 
the perfect enemy comes to life. Save this city is a creature of the night. Hey, stud. I thought we had something together. We do. While she craves a romance, she can sink her claws into. You're catnip to a girl. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Gotham! And welcome back from the break. It's time for Batman. To return to our cinema screens um, again, Tim Burton directed, so thumbs up for Tim <laughs> because uh, Batman in the early years really needed to be dark and get everybody's interest. Um, I think they just turned the contrast down on it. Yeah, but dude, this film was super dark. <laughs> this was it? super dark. Yes, it was indeed. So we'll jump right into it. Um, or points right in. Points right into yeah. it. It was 1992. Obviously, uh, it, as we went and we researched a bit, and it seems like this is Tim Burton's only, you know, proper sequel. Yeah. Um, as a director, um, do we think, uh, Chris, that he got it right second time round? Okay. This has never been one of my favorite Batman films. I will go on record as saying that. Um, I've never, I, I enjoy, uh, you know, like I enjoy the characters, you know, like Catwoman and Penguin, um, but. For me, as Lauren said, you know, it's super dark. And I think I watched this whenever... When did it come out, sorry? 92. 92, so I would have been... I would have been, what... 14, thereabouts? 14, 15? But for some reason, whenever I watched it, it just didn't strike a chord with me as much as the first one Mm -hmm. did. I think it was maybe I was expecting the high level of... um, um, you know, like Nicholson. You know, like Nicholson was the mecca of a um, Batman body. Yes. And for me, I enjoyed Penguin and Catwoman, but for me, they just didn't do it. I think you know a lot of people like yourself may or Lawrence may disagree with me, but for me, um, I don't think he got it right this time, and that's maybe why he didn't do was involved in the third one, but wasn't directing it. Well, what did you think, Lawrence? I feel he did get it right. I love this film. But um, I know the studio didn't think he got it right because uh, they um, obviously thought it was far too dark and it scared a lot of kids off. And uh, yeah. Ma- McDonald's even cancelled a Happy Meal tie and they had with it for this film because parents all complained <laughs> about how dark this film was. But I loved, I loved this film. I loved the look of it. I loved, I loved everything. I just, I think this film's a great, great Batman film. And I think it's more of when you watched it when you were a kid, you can't appreciate, especially and also the first Batman, you can't. Yeah. You appreciate it as a Batman film, but then obviously you watch it now or older, you can appreciate them a lot more because you know the adult themes that are in these movies and 
possibly for the next two films, maybe you might have enjoyed them more when you were kids, but now you could possibly really dislike them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I really, I really love this film. So I think he did get it right with this film, especially the dark, dark themes about it and everything. I love it. Yes. I have to agree with Lawrence. I absolutely think this film did really well in capturing just the next stage of where you could go with Batman as Chris sticks his tongue out at me. <laughs> uh, um, I loved the whole idea of Penguin coming into it and seeing how Penguin began, that he was the abandoned child and then he was taken in at the zoo. I thought the whole idea of a Penguin army uh-huh. was crazy and basically them going to blow themselves up and all a bit dodgy that was a wee bit soft-fetched it was yes with like you know microchips and all on their head or something to control them and all but uh, as a story I think Tim Burton really headed out the ballpark with us um, secondly uh, obviously we see the appearance of Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman meow uh, and Danny <laughs> and Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Um, Lawrence, would we have cast these char- these people as these characters, or would have you changed up and cast anybody else? Mm, I don't think you think think of anyone else as for the Penguin, Danny DeVito. But like back in the early nineties, hot looking women. I don't know. Michelle Pfeiffer is probably the perfect one as well. No, it could have been either way. You could have had Kim Basinger playing, you know, Catwoman maybe. If she wasn't in the first one, but yeah. I can't, I can't really think of anyone actually, really. To be yeah. honest, it's definitely not Halle Berry. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> perfect. Oh. She was brilliant as Selena Kyle as well, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer. she really, she really brought, uh, in my opinion, the whole twistedness of you know Catwoman and the like. But um, it's Danny DeVito was the one that really stood out to me, and that. Uh, for the time period especially he was a really good choice for Penguin because mm-hmm. obviously they wanted to display Penguin as this really kind of not mutated but you know individual that would look like you know nearly like a Penguin he would hobble like a you know and he's not obviously he's that tall so he could be com- in comparison to the height of a Penguin and the like and uh, the way they did the makeup and all the his nose and his teeth and his hands really brought you know, well, not only his performance, but the character just together as a whole. What about you, Chris? As Lawrence said, I can't really think of many hot women from back then. You know, Pamela um, Anderson. No, she wouldn't have got in that. <laughs> shit, to be honest with you, um, this film would have been an eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would have, for some reason, I don't know why. I would have liked to see John Goodman as a penguin. I don't know why. But random, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think I, I'm a John Goodman fan. Like. Yeah, but uh, I was just trying to think of somebody of you know like Danny Deville, Devito's build. Obviously, I know John Goodman's a bit taller than him, but obviously you can't get somebody. Danny Devito is sm- you know short, you know, so you can't really get somebody of that same stature or whatever. Because if you do, then you have to go somebody even smaller, and it kind of takes away from the character. So could have got his brother Arnie. That's true, that's true. <laughs> oh, is that a junior joke? It's twins, isn't it? Is it twins, yeah. junior? No, it's both Yeah, he's in... No, they were brothers yeah. and twins, weren't they? Ugh, it's an awful joke, <laughs> Really, really bad. Funny thing is with this film, though, is like, it's not really a Batman film. It is, but it's more about the Penguin. Really. <laughs> I preferred Bud- 
Burgess Meredith or whatever he's called the guy who played Mick from Rocky uh-huh. as the original <laughs> Penguin I he thought was he good. was good yeah. yeah he was good should have cast him there you go should have cast Burgess <laughs> Anyway, um, did we like the way we went from Joker to picking up a penguin, as you wrote, Chris? <laughs> no, it was a p- 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 picking up a penguin. Okay, what's your right? opinions, Chris? <laughs> it sounds like I'm trashing this film. It really mean, is. You're I really being really very depressing here. <laughs> I, l- I just loved the Joker. So, to go from the Joker, he was just a real, like... Real kind of real big maniac, you know, and he's been disfigured, and obviously the penguin's been disfigured. But I thought that the Joker was doing more to try and overtake Gotham and being more cunning in his ways than the penguin was. But I enjoyed the Joker's betrayal more. That's for the next question. Oh, is it? Yes. What about you, Lawrence? I think the penguin was great. I don't think he was really trying to. Obviously, he was trying to run for Mary. He wasn't so much take, trying to take over the city, was he? It was more like Max Shrek was trying to guide him to become mayor and take over the city. He just had it in for he had it in for Batman, really, didn't he? Because I think he fancied Catwoman, and that's the, yeah. that's the reason why he didn't like Batman. So exactly. I don't uh, think he had. He didn't have as many as many villainous ideas. Really, mm-hmm. he just. I don't know, but it's just a crazy deformed dude who lived in a sewer, wasn't he? he? Wasn't the Joker just wanted to take? O- Joker did want to take over the city and make everyone pay. I think the Penguin didn't want to make everyone pay until further on into the film when he got made to look like an idiot by Batman. <laughs> the turtles were better as they lived in sewers. The turtles were better. <laughs> Lawrence, uh, what did you think about the whole way Catwoman came about? The whole getting revived by alley cats, etc. So this is one thing I love when Christopher Walken's got her up against the window yeah and then he uh, says he's going to push it he pretends to push her and then does push her through the window I'm sure that must have been Walken doing his like ad-libbing ad-libbing that part because that's awesome that bit and uh, we haven't mentioned much about Christopher Walken he was awesome in this film to be honest I actually forgot he was in this film did you? yeah actually for some reason Christopher Walken for me is like a um, sometimes I forget his thing and things like it was the other day I forgot he was in a James Bond film don't ask yeah. me the title of it cause I he doesn't age what. either no he always looks the same so yeah. he does well that's yeah. the sign of a very good actor in my opinion he's you know he's always seems to be like the dark horse in a movie mm-hmm. but he's yeah. awesome I mean he's the one who guides the penguin to doing all the, the bad stuff really I mean the penguin just wants to find his parents doesn't he he does mm-hmm. do bad stuff to find his parents but then walk in makes him become makes him run for mayor and the, the penguin's just a crazy dude. But then again, you see, Walken says to the penguin, that's your weapon of choice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, boy Slim that. reference, yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I actually loved that song when it came out. I loved the video. The video was awesome. It was good. It was good. Um, obviously, um, we were going to touch on about uh, a comparison of Joker... Sorry, did I not get asked that question? Did I forget about you? Sorry. <laughs> you forgot about me. Well, you forgot about, about you. Started, but I, I sort of say that I did like the way how she was revived by... It was a bit funny getting revived by cats, wasn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Everybody likes cats. <laughs> it was a bit weird, just the whole that it's a case of you can be brought back to life by cats licking you, and it's just like... Better than that than dogs, in all honesty. Imagine six, six, to, six to one. <laughs> Dog woman. It's great how she um, goes back to her flat and does the same thing she did when she went there the first time honey I'm home and then mm-hmm. uh, and she's all crazy doesn't she rip tears her flat apart and makes that quite nice suit yeah. <laughs> out, of a, out of a coat isn't it out of a PVC coat I think something like that. that yeah pretty big coat to make an entire body suit out of 
it's, it's a pretty ingenious way to, you know, develop a character. You know, like, obviously you have, say, Sandman and Spider-Man, you know, like he's in that thing, and he gets, like, kind of, all his molecules go, and then he gets melded into the sand and all that stuff. But it, it's an interesting way to develop a character and give the character an origin. But um, it's it's very good the way they the way they did it. I did enjoy that. When she comes back as well, back up to Walkins' office when she meets. Is that when she meets Batman the first? No, meets Bruce Wayne the first time, doesn't she? Yeah, she meets Bruce, Bruce Wayne. She meets Bruce Wayne after she's been revived by like the cops. She meets Batman and Penguin, and then there's like an explosion going on or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. yeah. No, she, she, no, she meets yeah. uh, Selina, Selina Carl meets Batman when yeah. all the penguins goons are, uh, are trying to cause havoc in the city and, uh, and then she, she steals that electric thing doesn't she when Batman saves her yes yes exactly and then, they, uh, and then a bit later on then she comes back there comes Walken thinks he's killed her because yeah. have you been on holiday and then uh, they're up in the Batman I, meet Walken doesn't she say something about you know uh, explain like the cut in her head or something like she was away skiing or something and fell yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's just the whole Look on Walken's face during that is he just a bit of a oh dear I'm kind of rumbled here. <laughs> you know does yeah, she Batman remember? Does Bruce Wayne falls in love with her. Oh, likes her doesn't he? Batman falls in love with anything. because uh, if Batman like something happens to her and she goes like hold me and then she like digs her, her claws into his side. And then, like, he gets in touch with Alfred and says, bring me down some antiseptic stuff or whatever, and pulls out one of her claws from his side. Yeah, exactly. awesome. I've got to say, like, Michael Keaton is that always plays a psycho. Tensely, he, he plays a really good psycho-type person. He was a good psycho Batman, I think. He was he was dark, especially in this film, he was really dark. Yeah. And, and then, you know, he went well with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's dark Selina Kyle... Yeah, they they made a good couple, much better than Vicky Vale in the first film. I thought. Yeah. Definitely. Much better than much better than the next one, the Cole Kidman. Oh, although <laughs> Cole Kidman is a hottie. It's a yeah, it's a hottie, yeah, but just no, you don't need to be in a Batman film, love. Yeah, I think I definitely that was Val Kilmer in that. Are we going to get onto that a bit later on? Yeah. Oh, yes. uh, um, anyway, crazy Selena Kyle. <laughs> good stuff. Um. Obviously, uh, we've kind of slightly touched on this with the fact of uh, mentioning Walken and the Penguin, but uh, what way do we think uh, was the better plan to try and get a hold over Gotham? Um, Joker's ways or Penguin and obviously, uh, isn't it, was it Max or something is his first name? Max Shrek. Um, What way do you think is the best way to go about taking Gotham? The appearance of being normal going for mayor or the obviously uh, crazy wacky ways of Joker to <laughs> <laughs> so me I think I think it's definitely Penguin's way because he went for the sympathy vote didn't he he uh, arose and sort of saved the mayor's kid wasn't it the mayor's kid yeah it was uh, they were at like the press conference because it was like we have uh, Lando Calrissian <laughs> <laughs> hello he's, in, he's, not, he's, not, he's not in this one Lando no, that was the first, the first one. one. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm getting mixed up. There was the mayor was there, and his wife was there with his kid. And was it like the red clown or something comes along? Clown steals him, and then the penguin comes up through the sewer, doesn't he? Yeah, as the clown goes down the sewer, and you hear him go, "Oh my goodness, it's the ugly, evil penguin man," and all that sort of stuff. And then penguin rises up from out of the sewer. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Look, but then, I'm, oh. <laughs> it was. But then he got one walking, guided him to run for mayor, which is good. I think that's the better way. 
What do you think? What about you, Chris? I think you go to the Joker way. Because it's more insane and you have more fun. <laughs> Whereas being the Penguin, you have to be very smart. And you have to choose your words and choose your approach very carefully. Whereas with the Joker, it's all out fun. You let your you let your guns go. You let your guys go out and cause havoc. And if you win, you win. And if you don't, you die trying. Well, touching on what you just said there, having to be very careful and clever... If it wasn't for uh, Walken's character guiding Penguin, the Penguin's plan and Max's plan wouldn't have worked because you see the likes of when they're in the campaign office and Penguin's come down the stairs to see his campaign team and he's you know being nice and Walken's tempting him down with the fish and all that sort of stuff and he's talking to his team and the guys, you know, they're having a laugh and... Uh, then uh, Danny DeVito's penguin he bites the nose of the guy <laughs> so you know he loses his temper and he loses his calm really could have just been Vinny Jones for all you know <laughs> that was very Tim Burton though, wasn't it it was very dark oh yeah bit. oh yeah and the blood squirting mm. everywhere but uh, it's that sort of thing is penguin needed somebody to guide him whereas Joker was his own man mm-hmm. and that Joker was the brain whereas penguin because he'd been out of touch for so long and he didn't know the way things worked had to be guided but you were saying about you know Joker letting his minions go out and all that sort of stuff Penguin did as well in the long run because there's the bit where Penguin goes into like his wee campaign trailer or something like that and he gets in like the arcade machine of the Batmobile mm-hmm. and they've attached like a wee radio control to the Batmobile and he's driving the Batmobile around being mad and then all his goons are going crazy to obviously make it appear that uh, there's unrest and that he can make a difference as the mayor um, let's see what uh, do we think the on-air chemistry was like between the three, ma- three main characters Lawrence well we've already touched on the chemistry between Keaton and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer I thought <laughs> so you were going to say we've already touched on Pfeiffer and I was going to go yeah. already touched on Pfeiffer no the <laughs> chemistry between those two was great definitely um, between between all three of them it was really good and, and Shrek as well walking um, definitely was awesome in, in that film as well the, the chemistry between all three of them was great um, when walking when walking becomes uh, like the main guy at the end last scene when walking's there with all four of them as well with the other three is great I, I, I think walking is one of the shining points of this film really I, I love him in this film Chris yeah I think um, to have a successful film you need to have people who bounce off one another like we'll touch on in the next film um, for me they all did their parts really well and obviously you see you know the Batman Catwoman interaction is probably better than the Batman Penguin ones because obviously you have the sexual chemistry there you know like you have Batman you have Catwoman you know and that's why that's why it works so well is because they're sparking off each other so I just think um, I just think it worked really well and as Lawrence says you know like Walken's obviously a very integral part in this one, very much the same way as I thought that um, uh, Billy D. Williams was, even though he's a bit part in First Batman, I thought he was very good in it too. So you always have your um, your main cast, but then you have somebody kind of lurking in the background, you know, like who just really steps up and really does a bang up job. Walking was like the, was like the cement that binded the three together. I found. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
for me, um, you mentioned obviously the whole chemistry between Batman and Catwoman. I love the scene where Catwoman is up in above the campaign office where uh, Penguin's goons are, and Penguin walks up and sees her there lying on the bed. And I just think the way Pfeiffer paces her words and he oh, so whenever he see, she sees the bird in the, the bird, cage, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the way they interact in that scene, Penguin's trying to be all, you know, make sexual advances towards her, and uh, obviously she's having none of it. Um, but just two strong characters and two uh, strong actors in what I think is a fantastic scene. But you can't forget, as we mentioned earlier, the scene where you first see them all together, and uh, obviously the explosion, and she takes off. I just love the line from DeVito, it's like, I saw her first, <laughs> and he just shoots off in his flying umbrella, which I would love, I'd love that, that would be classic. I got the wrong umbrella! I'll a robot chicken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dokie, um, obviously Penguin's true colours are eventually revealed by Bruce Wayne, he, uh, using the Batcave's computers to uh, interrupt uh, Penguin as he makes a campaign speech. Lawrence, do you think this set up for a good finale? He was mixing the CDs. It was good. Him and Alfred were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was good to know. It was a good finale. I liked it. It was um, just it just all in the sewer, wasn't it? He got he got on the bat boat, like a bat boat, didn't he? He went through the sewer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was a good finale, and yeah, I think it was good when Walken found out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Didn't believe it, and he walked, like, Walken says, "Bruce, why are you dressed up like Batman?" And Catwoman says, "Because he is Batman." So that was good. No, it's good. No, it's at, no, it's at the end though when uh, Michael Keaton's got his his mask on and just before he takes it off, he has the black around his eyes to hide his eyes, and then just yeah. before he takes it off, the the makeup on his black and his eyes is gone. And yeah. It's all white. That's that's a really bad bit. I can't believe they left that in there. They couldn't do something to hide that. Have you never seen the um, editing for the first trailer, the first Batman trailer? No. Look up on YouTube, Batman official trailer. It is horrendous. You could do better in Windows Movie Maker nowadays. It is absolutely uh, terrific looking, so it is. (laughs) Um, Speaking of just after um, the campaign speech, obviously Lawrence went about the bad boat and going into the sewers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the kind of one wee bit we missed out in that was, which I think is a class bit that pushes us on to the finale, is where um, Bruce and Selena Kyle go to like the dance or the event oh, yeah. or something like that, and uh, they talk about you know mistletoe being deadly and all, and then the yeah. sudden realization that she's Catwoman, he's Batman, and then obviously Max is involved in that as well because wasn't his son kidnapped? Mm-hmm. His son? No, was no, no, no. He, the Penguin was going to take him. And yes. Then Max sorry. Said, yes. No, no, take me instead. That was great. I, I wish in the film that you got to see them interact more, knowing that they were as Bruce Wayne and Selina, knowing that they were, yeah, uh, Catwoman and Batman. That would have been great. But obviously, there there was a big explosion, wasn't there? So you didn't get to see that, that as much. Bit but of an electrocution. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, because it was it was really short. Because I think maybe at the end there's only about maybe a minute or two at most of them on screen together I think a minute's probably about right you know two would be pushing it because Batman takes off and then she's left with uh, Max and there's the whole um, obviously they hinted throughout the entire movie about the whole cat having a nine lives yeah because uh, she falls in the cat litter she thing. falls off the building and then uh, obviously uh, shot Max is shooting her 
he keeps shooting her and shooting her, and she says, you know, I have plenty more lives and all that sort of stuff, and then, obviously... Have Infinite Continues. <laughs> infinite Continues. Um, but uh, I thought it was a fantastic wee finale, and the whole... Uh, <laughs> the whole... I think the bit where you see Penguin, and he just falls mm-hmm. on the ground, Dark. and the blood having come from his mouth and all. Yeah. That was another typical Burton for me. Yeah. Dark dark wasn't it so dark this film but one thing I love about this film one reason why I like it so much mm-hmm. is because it's set at Christmas time <laughs> and I like Christmas films so in theory this is a Christmas film that's true that's true very much like Die Hard well, Die Hard is the best Christmas film ever made <laughs> well we're going to do some Christmas specials so that maybe that'll funny thing was this was released in June it was all set in Christmas time <laughs> another brilliant idea from Tim Burton Um yeah. Anyway, uh, we shall do this again. Lawrence, what would be your ranking for this film? Two. Chris? Five. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just... I don't really remember this as well as I should. And there's another fil- there is another film that's going to rank lower than it that I haven't even watched all of due to how terrible it is. And that's Batman the Dark Knight. I mean, carry on. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, for me, uh, once again, I agree with Lawrence. I'm rating this film at number two. two. So we're, we're both the same at the moment. This is going to be interesting to see how this progresses. I wonder what. I think happens. you two have been exchanging emails. We have. <laughs> you, I'm just left. You should give us a prize, Chris, if we if we get it perfectly uh, in sync. What do you mean, me? I have to give you a prize. <laughs> <laughs> or from my own pocket, right? Well, we'll see how well we go then. Um, but you see, I'm going to have to dink it up and then go, right, Alan, what's yours? And then, Lawrence, what's yours? Or just, like, I'll get you to type... I'm going to get you to write yours down So before Lawrence says his. <laughs> In fact, you have written yours down. Let me see what the next one is so I know. I haven't done the next one. I scribbled it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. Okay, well, join us after the break whenever Batman will be forever. Or just Batman forever. So we'll turn us after the break. Hi, my name is James Etook, and you're listening to Operation Retro Shock, which covers all things retro, much like Serial Geek magazine. Head over to SerialGeek.com to buy the glossy magazine dedicated to the cartoons of the 80s, like He-Man, She-Ra, Transformers, Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc., etc. Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box, and you're with Chris Vint and Alan Price, and this is Operation Retroshock, only on the Pop Culture Network. You're counting on the winged Avenger to deliver you from evil, aren't you, my friend? Are you going to kill me? Maybe, maybe not. You can say we're of two minds on the subject. <laughs> You're a gambling man. Let's say we flip for it. One man is born a hero, his brother a coward. Babies starve, politicians grow fat, holy men are martyred, and junkies grow legion. Why? 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 Luck! Blind, stupid, simple, doodah, clueless, luck! <laughs> the wrath of toss. The only true justice. Let's see what justice 
What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retro Shock with crazy cool Chris Vent and awfully awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. you to take a sandwich with you, sir? I'll get drive through. Bruce Wayne. In the flesh. I'm gonna need that handbag. Yes. My invention beams any TV signal directly into the human brain. Mind manipulation, tampering with people's brain waves, it just raises too many questions. I'll send you a riddle. The Riddler. I will help you solve the greatest riddle of all. Who is Batman? Let's start this party with a bat! Your entrance was good. His was bad. The difference? Showmanship. Like the jacket? It keeps me safe when I'm jogging at night. I need a name. Batboy, Nightwing. What's a good sidekick name? Alright, train me. Let me be your partner. I want to be close, but you won't let me near. I'm a part of this, whether you like it or not. Hello, and welcome back from the break from Batman Returns to Batman, because he is forever. But we've jumped from Michael Keaton to a different Batman, which... Uh, yes, Michael. <coughs> this is Kit. No, don't do that. I have that, I have that on my phone, which I should really play, but I won't. So, obviously, this is Val Kilmer as Batman, which, um... Yeah, okay. Um, so, Lawrence, 1995, some three years later, um, we suffer Star Wars Syndrome here, um, is produced by Tim Burton, um, by directed by the now famous... No, 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 not famous. Infamous. 
sorry, famous, infamous, whatever, um, I'm not going to say any swear words or anything, uh, Joel Schumacher. Um, what do you remember, um, probably fondly, about this film, Lawrence, the first time you saw it? Fondly things about this film. I think I went and saw it with my brother on his birthday. So, this is the first Batman film I saw at the cinema. Yeah, it would have been, because I was only nine when the other one, when Batman Returns came out. So, yeah, this has been the first one that I've seen at the cinema. So, it must have been one of the probably first few films I had actually seen at the cinema, this was. But, um, what I remember this film was I, I think I got all the action figures for it as well. I remember loads of action figures coming out for this one. Mm-hmm. More so, like, Robin as well. But... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was good. It was uh, fond memories. I don't know if I got many fond memories of this film. I don't know. <laughs> I remember winning the competition to go and uh, have tickets to go and see it. And whenever I went down with my cinema tickets for me and a couple of friends, um, they didn't use them in that cinema. So then I had to um, go to wherever I won them and say they would accept them not there, and they give me money instead. But I enjoyed this film. This is. Um, this will probably be like obviously you two really enjoyed Batman Returns whereas for me I really enjoyed Batman Forever um, due to a couple of characters in this but Mr. Price were you of the right age to go and see this film or did you watch it in a friend's house or did you steal somebody's VHS or anything like that stop looking at me like you're going to kill me please I should, re- I should reach across this room and punch you square in the face then Operation, Operation Retroshock would be dead <laughs> You'd need no, a, ma- a massive, a massive bang sign would come up in your room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pow, <laughs> kaboom. Um, well, for me, um, I do enjoy this movie, but not in the same sense as I would have enjoyed, you know, Returns. You know, it's obviously we've got to a point now where it's a lot cornier than the previous two. Yeah. Uh, obviously, because Tim Burton has stepped down, there's still you know a few dark tones here and there. Obviously, you know a bit of influence from him, but the different directors, the key part of this, and uh, obviously we have uh, certain few characters that lighten the tone a lot more. But I remember this the trailers coming out a lot. I remember a lot about the trailers. Yes, I'm the same. And the U2 song that was out for it. Yes. I remember and that. Uh, wasn't a kiss from a rose by Seal on this yeah, that one was as well. released though, wasn't it? You released that. You previously released that song. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, obviously, uh, we've touched on how dark the past two was, or even uh, Alan. Um, this isn't as dark as the previous two, but still, kind of has the Batman feel. Although you may say that um, this may be, in Star Wars terms, people's Return of the Jedi with being corny and stuff mm-hmm. um, even though it has a different um, Batman and Val Kilmer um, it's a really hard question this Alan who's the better Batman between these two Val Kilmer or Michael Keaton I think it is Adam re- West okay Lawrence what about you oh let me finish let me finish I think it is reasonable to say that Michael Keaton Keaton even sorry uh, was the far better Batman because I think Michael Keaton had a lot more to do with the character. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a lot more to do because obviously Batman was darker. Whereas Val Kilmer's, I felt Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne and Batman was very kind of emotionless. Yeah, yeah. You, would, you would see him walking about and like when he's in the circus scene, he's just kind of like staring blankly into the distance. He's very mopey, but yeah. Bruce May- Bruce Wayne wasn't really a mopey character, you know. Like exactly. Bruce Wayne was full no, of life. Crazy. And yeah, like exactly. Or, or yeah, like very eccentric. Terrific. 
yeah, or, or driven to get to the goal, and you know, um, conflicted, obviously being Batman and Bruce Wayne. But in this, it's just, oh, he's not as bad as, as a certain other person who played Batman. But the only bit of emotion you saw out of him was when, um, you know, when Nicole Kidman kisses him later on. Then she says, "Oh no, I fancy someone else," and it was uh, obviously Bruce Wayne. And then you had a little Batman smile. That's about the only emotion you got out of Val Kilmer in this whole film. <laughs> obviously, I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't show it on. It's understandable. Yeah, but for me, yeah, obviously, Kilmer is the weaker of the two Batman. Um, you've had Batman. You've obviously had like a really good guy in um, uh, portraying Bruce Wayne and Batman and doing exceptionally well in Batman and Batman Returns, and then Val Kilmer comes in and kind of just all the hard work is almost like near enough gone, you know, because. That's the thing about this film is that it, for me, it is not remembered for Batman. It's remembered for two other characters, who Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones play in this film. Um, Lawrence, for you, did these two really capture the essence of the characters that they were portraying? And also, do you think that these these two were the best things about this film? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, simple as that. No, I think Jim Carrey was great as the Riddler. Tommy Lee Jones at the start of the film was brilliant as as Two Face and Harvey Dent. But then by the end of the film, Tommy Lee Jones is playing second fiddle to the Riddler, and it's just a dude standing in the background. <laughs> it, uh, when you know when the Riddler's doing that big speech, it's just Tommy Lee Jones just standing there with his, with his arms folded, just doing nothing. It's I uh, just no. Jim Carrey's great in this, but Tommy Lee Jones for me is not good in this film at all. No. I couldn't agree more. I lo- one of the main reasons I love this film is because of how it starts. Just Two-Face standing there in the bank over the guard and not originally seeing that it is in fact Two-Face because the way the camera is lined up to him, you just see the normal side of his face and then you see him bend down with the coin, you know, what's your luck going to be there? Is it going to be like another day of like pizza and stuff? You know, beer and pizza, and you just see the camera pan around and you see his face. That's the sort of speech and character you should expect from Two Face. Mm-hmm. And going to Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey played the, a blinder with this character because yeah. obviously you really see how Riddler comes together with him starting in uh, in Enterprises with his invention and all that sort of stuff. But um, it really is weird the way Jim Carrey just comes in. <laughs> And sadly, Two-Face is so thrown to the side. It's a case of, as well, at the end, the way Two-Face dies I just really... Just, it's just like, oh, oh, right, what do we do? It's just like, oh, right, what do we do with him? <laughs> yeah, it's like really pathetic. It's like, throw a lot of coins at him. Batman just happens to have a new Where's utility belt. Where's his pockets? Apart- sp- I know, but how can the utility belt have that much space for that many coins? It's like a woman's handbag. It just goes on forever. Um, it's, it's, it's like two different films, though, this film is. It's like the Two-Face film at the start. And it seems like that was the start of it with Tim Burton's sort of influence at the start. Yeah. And by the end of it, it just forgets about Tim Burton and turns into this neon-lit... <laughs> I did I did enjoy obviously Jim Carrey's performance in this was just fantastic and for me this is probably one of Jim Carrey's best performances you yeah. know obviously Jim Carrey is a comedy actor and he does have a certain comedy feel in this but it's just um Tommy Jones is a great actor but unfortunately he was lost in this yeah. you know like you may as well have just said right we'll pay you X amount go and stand there in the corner and every so often 
we'll get you to say something. And or flip a coin or <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Maybe they flipped the coin. Again, that's another point towards him just being in the background. Because when they go to Wayne Manor later on and uh, are, you know, sneaking because oh, they're trick or treat. Yeah. You know, Joker's off running around blowing up the Batcave and Two Face is just sitting there. Riddler, you mean? Sorry, yeah, Riddler. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say Joker's dead. Yeah, uh, mouth work. <laughs> you know, Riddler's off with his, you know, wee, like, bombs and he's still yeah. in the Batmobile and all. I hate that scene. Two Face is beating up an old man. <laughs> well, and Two Face is sitting on the sofa with his coin. And just waiting to, for it to land the right way so he can go off and shoot someone, and then he just shoots Wayne, and that is the only thing he does in that scene. He's like, you know, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's like the Joker's goon in the first Batman film. Bob. Bob, yeah, Bob. Bob. Yeah. He, he turns into Bob, basically. Uh, halfway through his film, he turns into Bob. Doesn't he? Just, just, he's, he's, I just don't like. He's not very good in this film, is he? But halfway through it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay, as a result of Two Faces' actions, we meet Dick Head. I mean, Dick Grayson, who later becomes Robin. <laughs> Alice looking at me with a worried look. Typical question, Lawrence. How annoying was Robin? That's not what the question is. I am not getting into that. <laughs> I'm changing it. I think he's very annoying in this film. Just a whiny little kid. I know his parents have died, so fair enough. But stop whinging and stop. <laughs> stop whining. <laughs> stop whining. It's, it's, he just whines. He's, oh, I mean, and he doesn't play up on the fact that his parents have died. He just whinges. You know, he should. He's not believable as Robin, is he? Really? No. It's terrible. Just, it's a character that we didn't really need to see for obvious reasons, and I think this is one of the reasons why the film just went towards the end. It's just like, what does he say? Like, holy rock, Batman, or holy, no, 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 no. holy rusted. But well, it's, it's the dialogue of that bit. It's holy rusted metal, Batman. And then Val Kilmer goes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's nearly metal. like Val Kilmer doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, it's metal, it's holy. And he goes, oh. So the dialogue for Batman there is, huh? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, huh? it's Batman going, huh? <laughs> for me, it really is a case of, uh, he is so, so whiny, and it's... The opposite of what you would expect someone to be if their blooming parents had died. Or a superhero at that as well. You know, you see, all you see is, you know, he's up and he throws the bomb out of the circus and it rolls down and explodes. And you just see him looking down through the hole and his, you know, family's lying on the ground and there's just, you know, like his mouth's open, like, oh right. You know? And then he yeah, arrives. You Sorry? didn't have to play off the emotionless Val Kilmer in this film. Well, so yeah. He, <laughs> he kind of had Anakin Skywalker syndrome as well, didn't he, in this whinging. <laughs> I want to be a Jedi. I want to be Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play. Let me play, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's just like a whiny little. It's just like you have Val Kilmer. He just drains like the life and soul. Like I don't know how Jim Carrey had so much enthusiasm or how much passion in this film. Whenever you have Val Kilmer, it's just He's like getting paid a lot of money. It's just like yes. Riddler, that is not a good idea. Oh, you <laughs> I don't think there's something that more that could send you to sleep than Bruce Wayne, Val Kilmer as Bruce Wayne, trying to explain one of the Riddler's actual riddles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that that was throwback to the old to the old Adam West stuff, though, wasn't it? Really. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we have a very superhero moment that Bruce contemplates retiring as Batman and trying to leave a normal life. 
Alan, um, unfortunately, um, he did obviously, you know, retire yes. as Batman and just go like, I don't have this this trick for this. Uh, but does love conquer all? Well, yes and no. Um, Way to sit in the fence there. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you have to say uh, Val Kilmer like, sucking the life out of Batman in the sense of, oh, I don't, I don't think I can go on. You know, I can't, I can't cope. You know, it's just a case of, right, Batman's meant to have faced, in my opinion, far worse enemies than Riddler and Two-Face. The Riddler and Two-Face we see in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he's faced Jack Nicholson's Joker and the Penguin and all by this stage, in, you know, if you can consider it in a chronological sort of format. Um, and he's just like, all of a sudden, oh, my Batmobile got blew up. And all that sort of stuff. Eventually, you know, I'm gonna just pack it all in. Maybe he can claim off the insurance. Maybe that's what it was. I think he's rich enough to manage. No, you never know. You know. But uh, the that's whole how rich people keep their money, though, isn't it? They wanna, they, you know, they grab at every penny they can get. Maybe it was because he couldn't claim off the insurance. <laughs> Maybe a good compare can do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, Lawrence? Does love conquer all? Yeah. With Nicole Kidman. Yeah. I think it would have been a much more interesting film if it was just uh, Falcon and Nicole Kidman <laughs> getting, getting it on. But, but no, probably not, actually. It would have been one of the most unemotional love films ever, actually, about Yeah, I think he was pretty crap in that at first sight. Remember, yeah. there was the one where he was a blind guy? I'll tell you what, Val was best film, best role was when he was um, Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Have you seen that? Or in The Doors. He was in The Doors as well. He was Jim Martin. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. And he was in Heat, but then he was very dry in Heat. But yeah, I mean, he's also my, he's also the 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 voice of Kit, isn't he? And uh, yeah, so yeah. That's, that's what I hinted at earlier. Yeah, that's oh. the per- that is the perfect role for Val Kilmer is yeah. Kit because computer his voice, voice. His yeah, voice, because his voice doesn't need to be emotional. Yeah, exactly. But I have to say that the other guy who did the original Kit was far better. But uh, okay. Um, Lawrence, the Riddler and Two-Face join forces thanks to, what does that sound? Nick Matek. Nick Matek, yeah, I was going to say, like, Nagma attack. Um, obviously, we've said about, you've said about Tommy Lee Jones, you know, being in the corner near enough, but how good did you feel these two actors played off each other? Specifically the scene when they first meet. Yes. Well, it's when the Riddler goes to his base, wasn't it? And half yes. the base is, is white and half the base is, like, hell. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. I just, I think the thing is, much like I said for the first two films, if you watch them as a kid, you say this is a cool Batman film, but you won't get a lot of the stuff. This, this, but then when you watch it now when you're an adult, you'll appreciate the first two films a lot more. With this one, it's more like you watch it when you're a kid, you're like, this is awesome, look at that base, it's, it's half white and half like hell, this is amazing. Yeah. And then when you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh, no, this isn't Batman, this is, this is nearly like the 1960s TV show. But, um, I don't know. It, I think they played off each other well, but like like we've already said, by the end of the film, it's just Tom and Jack. I hate that bit when they're doing the battleships thing. Oh yes, I know. Yes, I know the that's right. Yeah. I know the bit um, For me, it's again the scene is good for the fact of uh, it's the first time we see Jim Carrey's Riddler in full costume and outfit, and you know he's really just going full blow. And of course, his Riddler's cane, his metal cane, and how Jim Carrey managed to twirl that thing and not kill somebody on set is unimaginable <laughs> to me. I think I did hear at some stage he did wreck himself in some way, like hitting himself or got caught or something. 
<laughs> I don't know where. Um, <laughs> Not to you, Batman. <laughs> but uh, it would have been pretty darn sore. But uh, it is again. You know, this was. I think this was probably the key point in the film where we saw it turn to Two Face becoming, you know, the background guy, and it's a bit of a shame when you watch it back. Yeah, um, I liked whenever they were actually, you know, like, I remember a scene where for Riddler says something and Tommy Lee Jones like goes <gasps> and puts his hand over his mouth and it's just like, why are you doing that? You know, like, but I think they sparked off each other well, but um, um, obviously we were talking about saying like, would this be people's Return of the Jedi? Alan, for you, was it moral in this very Star Wars as in the good and the bad when Bruce is trying to tell Dick not to go out for revenge because it'll only make things worse and you know like that leads to the dark side not the dark side Batman wise but you get what I'm saying you get what I'm saying let's see what I'm saying yeah It's a case of uh, it's not so not so good in the fact that uh, can you hear me now, Lawrence? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Don't worry, it's okay. Um, the fact that uh, the morals were played on and played on by because Bruce was really whingy about it. Bruce was really whingy about it, saying, "Oh look, my parents died as well. I don't I, look, look how I turned out." I don't think he would have said it without passing. Why did he tell him that at the start? <laughs> <laughs> and and I've got to say, right, you know when Robin falls down into the Batcave, yeah, yeah. He's going intruder alert, intruder alert. Why does the Batcave become active? Mm. Do you know what I mean? All the, the car comes out and the lights turn on, all the computers turn <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, so an intruder, here's what I have down here for you! Why does it all turn off and just go into a cave? Yeah. <laughs> I, never <laughs> thought, <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> I never thought of that. But yeah, I would agree that, obviously as Lauren said, this is more, you know, the first two were very dark and very adult driven, whereas this was more with the children so I think they had to put it in you know like hey kids you know like it's very Master Universe like in today's story we saw that going out for revenge never paid dividends so just don't do that and stay in school and don't take drugs okay bye bye um, what are your thoughts on this Lawrence with all the you know morality tales and Bruce Wayne trying to be almost um, you know whiter than white it's, it would seem Bruce Wayne should have told uh, Dick that his parents were killed when he first met him and I know how you're feeling I can help you get through this rather than just telling him no all the time like a little kid bad father no you're not allowed to do that mate. <laughs> 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 more, no put that down put that yeah. down get out of there makes him want to do it more so you know if you just told him that at the start it would have been fine Alfred doesn't help the situation either so. I don't understand this next question if I'm honest Alan against Bruce's wishes Alfred helps Dick no 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 wait wait, wait. I'll explain it better I'll explain it better <laughs> Alright, okay, well, saw me then. I'll just, go, I'll just go away here. As was mentioned there, Alfred is very much the more of a father figure to Dick than what Batman is. You know, Bruce is, yes, Bruce has explained about don't do that and all that sort of stuff, but Alfred is going at, uh, this sounds wrong, going at Dick from a different direction. <laughs> He's going at him from a more laid back sort of opinion, just putting a word in here and there and trying to. Putting a word in the dick? Why is up? No, you're just playing off it too much there. Well, playing off dick? 
<laughs> but you hear uh, you hear Alfred talking to him about uh, you know, Robins have their day, Robins fly, all that sort of stuff. <sighs> yes, it's a bit corny, but it's a lot better than just being told stop whining. It's a more, <laughs> it's a more sensible approach in my stop opinion. Stop whining. <laughs> but of course, uh, Alfred is the one. <laughs> Alfred is the one that uh, helps Dick, so to say, um, join with Batman when Batman's going off for the finale. Um, obviously, kind of Lawrence, you mentioned this. Uh, what did we think of the eventual union of uh, Robin and Batman coming together and the whole random appearance of a bat plane and a bat boat? Um, it was okay. It was, well, it was bound to happen, obviously, because Robin's in the film, but they were let down really the whole end scene of this film was just not very good was it they, the whole thing where they, like Batman put the sonar thingy on wasn't it and while Robin's been caught so Robin was pretty much useless didn't do anything got caught straight away so then he's a he's a what's the word I'm looking for he's a he's inconvenient oh no what's the word I'm looking for here I can't think anyway yeah well Robin's useless. <laughs> he's useless and just a pain in the ass, isn't he really <laughs> and then um, you know this film for me started off great. By the end of this film, I'm sick of it. Just that whole scene when they're going along on the um, the bat plane, and the bat boat's going, and they do the, the battleships thing. Just turned into a little kids' film. Probably when I was a little kid, though, it was brilliant. You know, yeah. the, one, the, one, the one thing I remember loving about this part of the movie was not uh, obviously when they reached the likes of the Nigmatech Island or anything like that, but as a kid watching it when the bat plane is. Uh, when you see Commissioner Gordon on top of the police building with the yeah. bat sign, and he's you know getting really down, you know, in the dumps, and he's depressed, saying, "Oh, he isn't coming." You know, get ready to turn it off, and the guy goes to turn it off, and he, you just hear the kind of like roar of the plane engine in the sky, and he says, "Wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute," and then you see the bat plane just shoot through the actual signal and blow the you know thing apart, so to say. I thought that was cool, but then was just, cool. but then just the eventual you know. Uh, Battleship playing off it is rather awful because how how could have joke uh, how could have Riddler even sorry um, managed to put a whole pile of mines in flipping Gotham's water system you know it just becomes so it starts off so dark like the bit when Enigma ties up his boss onto the seat and pushes yeah. him yeah yeah really dark very much like the other films and then it turns it does turn into a it starts turning into Batman and Robin basically yeah okay. that's what it starts doing. Because I think this is probably what we're saying is, you know, with Kid hammering on, hammering on, that the start of the movie was dark and very Tim Burton. It's obviously a case of, I think, Joel Schumacher's creativity came into this at a late, late stage. Or no yeah. creativity, really. You know, well, yeah, his mind and, so to speak, his way <laughs> of wanting this movie to I saw go. my kids playing Battleships, put that in there. Yeah. It was probably something like that that Bloomin' inspired him to do it. But you can see it is, like Lauren says, it's transforming into... Batman and Robin and the eventual death of this line of the series is you know okay. well on, well on the way okay I Lawrence I, I, I definitely think Burton had the, had, had it at the start and you know, obviously he didn't they don't say it but I think he really did have have the reins of it at the start and then the studios might have come in and said no you know you can't make another dark Batman film we've got to turn it a little bit Batman and Robin-esque and obviously that was a bad idea yeah. Then maybe it was a good idea because you got the Batman Begins in a Dark Night, really, wasn't it? Yeah, true. So, Lawrence, um, out of six, then, how would you rank this? And let's see if it matches up with Alan. What have you wrote down? 
Oh, he changed yours. Alan had four, and I had but five. But through speaking this, I decided to change it to five. I've got it as a three. So what was your song? Was yours a five as well? Five. Yeah, we're on roll. We're on a roll. Oh, see, I don't know how you're going to get the other one. If the Lawrence could say that this is his favourite one, the next one. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried he could, but uh, everybody will have to wait. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you'll have this, to wait until this. This is, could possibly be the most negative next thirty minutes ever on the history of Operation Retroshock. It could be, but unfortunately, you're going to have to tune in next week to find that out. We're not going to end. On a low, we're going to end on a mediocre oh, yeah. Batman, Batman, you know, and then we're going to go Batman and Robin. I have as much passion for this here as Val Kilmer has for acting, but uh, join us again next week for Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh, great. Until then, I'm Alan Price. I'm Chris Vinton. Batman, you say, and who are you, by the way, on the other end of the telephone? Lawrence Case. And tune in next week for more Batman Bonanza. should have mentioned this. I'm poison. Poison Ivy. And the only man who can stop them. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Can't do it alone. Batman will watch his beloved Gotham perish. Bundle up, boys. There's a storm coming. Kill the heroes! It's a hockey team from hell! Cool party! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Alright, everyone! Chill! George Clooney. I'm not the marrying kind. I know you've had your wild night. Good night. Wild doesn't doesn't quite cover it. Chris O'Donnell. Come join me. My garden needs tending. She loves me and not you, and it's driving you crazy. This is why Superman works alone. Thurman. So many people to kill. So little time. Alicia Silverstone. And you are? Batgirl. That's not awfully PC. What about that person? Found the Batcave. She knows who we are. Guess we just have to kill her. In a Jewel Schumacher film. Strength and courage. Partners. Honor. Partners. And loyalty. 
freedom and justice. Partners. It all comes together. We're going to need a bigger cave. Batman and Robin. And welcome back to another edition of Operation Retroshock and our second part of Chris. Um, Batman, I think it was. Batman was her! <laughs> yes, Batman, my ears. And of course, coming on from the last one to this one is Mr. Lawrence Case. Hello again, Lawrence. I don't know why I'm waving at the monitor, but um, I'm just being. What's popping? Don't worry, I'm waving at the monitor too. <laughs> What's popping? That's right. Hey, that's his catchphrase and stuff is what's popping what's popping see stop looking at me it's Lawrence's catchphrase not mine it's his what's popping it's MVP's catchphrase actually just what's, what's popping peeps yo oh, dudes yo dudes I need that for Miller <laughs> <laughs> anyway we'll dive right into this I think uh, into a nosedive for this sort of movie um, of course can I just say before we start that I don't I have never watched this film from beginning to end. I've watched up to wherever George Clooney is standing on the balcony with Elle McPherson, and that's as far as I got. So, I don't think... That's actually not far into the movie. So, I don't think I'm going to be much use in this one, but I'm just putting it out there. But I'll chime in and say I crud what I watched is. So, there. Alrighty. Well, uh... Alrighty, then! Of course, Chris is referring to Joel Schumacher's second attempt, uh, attempt if you call it that, at, uh, at a Batman movie. I think he got uh, his kid to write this, to be honest. <laughs> um, obviously, straight off the bat, we have to touch on how truly awful is this film, considering what would be considered the star power, Lawrence? This film is one of the... Can you put a beep in? Yeah, we can put this a bit of it. This film is one of the films ever made. It's <laughs> 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 terrible. I just like the fact that I wasn't expecting that big of a reaction from Lawrence, which is why I laugh. I just expected this is really bad film because Lawrence is so laid back. And this is a really bad film. This uh, film know. is awful. <laughs> this film is so bad. I'm sorry, the people who are going to listen to this podcast are going to get a bit of negativity, but then it's going to build into an amazing crescendo of one of the greatest films ever made. But this is the worst film ever made. This is terrible. <laughs> This is b- worse than Wrong Side of the Town with Batista in. <laughs> <laughs> it would rank up there, and like I, I remember watching the film Species, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is so bad!" And it I just that had like you know Natasha something or other in it with her yeah. kiddo, so that was fine. But um, yeah, as this film is that bad that it's one of those films like Catwoman. That I've never watched from beginning to end and never plan to. Because <coughs> I have better things to do with my time than watch George Clooney. Um, yeah, George Clooney, you're a complete and utter bleep. I'll just beat myself there. We'll, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about him very shortly. Yeah. We'll talk about him very shortly. I, can't, I can only think of one positive out of this, which is Arnie. And even that is really no, pushing no. it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> 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 that's re- but as I say, that's really pushing it. It comes to something whenever you, one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's subpar performances is the, the best thing about this absolute dog turd of a film. 
there are there there are there are one there's one thing maybe two that I think on this film that make it that good. The only thing where it shows Arkham Asylum storage room when you see the Riddler's coat. So that's yeah. cool. And the only bit when Batman says this is why Superman works alone, he mentions Superman. That's it. That's the only two good things about this film. And Elle McPherson's in it and she's hot. I thought whenever you said about the two things, I thought you were just going to say Elle McPherson leg one and Elle McPherson leg two. And when this film ends, that's the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> Refunds. Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, at the start of this film, the first line is, I want a car. Robin Williams. Oh, no, yes. <laughs> Alan, you haven't said what do you think about this film? I, I don't think there's much I can really add to <laughs> yeah, what's but you, already been said. You need, to add, you, know. uh, you need to add Alan Price's opinion. The a- APO. Hang on, dudes, I'm going to have to. Someone's coming to my house. Crap. Twin or Queen! <laughs> reason well sorry how can you say a big reason for this movie being rubbish because there are so many of them um the part that really orcs me is again how can you have one thing that orcs you um is the fact that in this movie we have batman and robin playing ice hockey to get a diamond off freeze why Uh. do batman and robin play ice hockey or skate oh. I don't know I don't even know that was in that film that is that is <coughs> the luckiest thing in your life to have is not to have this memory well I've seen the Belfast Giants play so it mustn't be that bad <laughs> I <won't>. <laughs> <laughs> kapow do not do not that, slag off that, my ice hockey that's what that scene is like it's actually like an old Batman film yeah you know if they put that it would fit it perfectly <laughs> but for a motion picture and what is meant to be this And you haven't go and pay money to watch this? Exactly. Drivel? Ugh. I wonder how many I wonder how many people actually went to get a refund for this. I'm sure there was probably enough. Yep. And I wouldn't blame them one bit. No. They probably, they probably went up to the counter and went this film isn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight put it in the freezer. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> Um, of course, this movie starred uh, George Clooney, boo! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, um, uh, everyone should get a boo in this film. <laughs> Uma Thurman, boo, and Alicia Silverstone. Fat boo. <laughs> she's only cool because she's an heiress of music videos in the early nineties. <laughs> um, if you had to pick one, and this is going to be a hard one, <laughs> this is going to be a hard one. Lawrence, in your opinion, who gave the best performance and why? <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence, are you there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it is a stupid question, but you know we have to try. <sighs> I, I can't. But Alfred, Alfred, the guy who played Alfred. <laughs> I think that's a fair point. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, Michael Goff. Michael Goff. Ah, it was Michael Gold, yeah. Michael uh, what about you, Chris? 
I would say Arnie, just the fact that it's so cheesy, and you know, like it's just some of the best lines. Like the night a freeze is coming, and go like you're not sending me to the cola and things like that. That's the only reason why I would pick Arnie. George Clooney, yeah, you're fine. Don't, don't get me started on George Clooney. You, he is a glorified TV actor. Oh. Yeah, clean and simple. He got. Flipping what is a quality. I'm TV scared. Movie. I'm scared here. <laughs> Alan is really passionate. Really Alan, there's like foam coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I despise this man. Um, not because of the fact he gets that. his calendar year get over Christmas. <laughs> he was the main reason my mum held up the TV at Blooming Night watching ER. Um, and also the fact of he does not have the quality to head such a movie as Batman. He is again, he has more emotion than Val Kilmer, I will give him that. But the simple fact of the matter is, George Clooney, he didn't have what I would feel the build of a Batman. He looked really weak and just. Oh, I oh no, 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 if we're going to say that, we've got to go back to Val Kilmer because he looked really weak. There's that scene, and when he's got his shirt off, when he gets changed, he looks like he should be massive. He's Batman. He just looks like a little. Rat boy, rat man, <laughs> rat, rat man, Splinty the rat. <laughs> Sorry, just on the balcony. Okay. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah. Obviously, um, the one of the main reasons, apart from appalling acting and the likes, is the plot line was. Hold on a minute. This film had a plot line. This is about, where it, I'm it going. It had here. about six different subplots. This film. This is what we're going to mention here is qualifying, if you could call it that, was wafer thin. Wafer thin mints. <laughs> was a contributing factor to this that there was too many, I would say, villains and subplots and specifically uh, the loss of Tim Burton completely. Lawrence? No, this, this, this film was just, just rubbish. It is, <laughs> there's no excuse for this film at all. No, t- if Tim Burton was there, I think the, the studio would have dominated him and told him to still make this rubbish film. This film is the worst film. And the, the, there's so many plots in it. There's the, there's the main one with Freeze. And then there's the one of Freeze's wife when he's trying to make her get better. Then there's the mm-hmm. Poison Ivy one, how she mm-hmm. wants to stop make plants take over the world. Yeah. And then there's Leisha Silverstone with Alfred, how she's turned up. Then there's yep. Alfred not being very well. And then there's, there's Dick Grayson wanting to um, come out of Batman's shadow. It's just terrible. The right really this film. Is. It really is bad. Like, because the one that one of the ones that really pisses me off is... Whoa! Uh, and it's, I have to... It's strong words for such a rubbish movie. Ladies and gentlemen, let's apologise for the language of Alan Price <laughs> on said podcast, but... Right. Well, if you watch Batman and Robin, you would understand. And the studio has never apologised for the film. I think we're allowed to swear if we're reviewing it. <laughs> yeah. Is the fact that uh, Alicia Silverstone's you know, subplot with Alfred is so ridiculous. And there's absolutely no basis for it. Because she arrives and she says, oh, I'm here to rescue Alfred because um, he has been your servant for like his whole life and he's not happy. Have you seen? Has she personally, you know, seen what Alfred does on a day-to-day basis, and this relationship he actually is meant to have with Bruce Wayne? Alfred was effectively Bruce's father after his parents died, so I think it's more than just him being like his butler. Yeah. You know, come on here, people. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're just oh. so. It's because we know it should be much better than it flipping was. Any Batman shouldn't be this rubbish. Um, 1997 was obviously when the movie came out. The 1997 Razzie Awards gave this film 11 nominations. I'm sorry, but that's nowhere near enough. <laughs> you don't know how many categories they had, whether that was all the categories. Um, it got 11 nominations, including one, obviously enough, for Worst Picture. It should have them all for Worst, worst Picture. Batman Robin, Batman Robin, Batman Robin, Batman Robin, Batman Robin. Which one would you pick? So <laughs> shit um, is this one of the films you watched once, Lawrence, and then never again, or did you actually subject yourself to it again? No, because it's always on Sky Movies. <laughs> it's on, every day, every other day, this film is on Sky Movies. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they put this on to say, this is a bad film. Now, these are, we've got other good films that we show other times. This film's always on, man. It's always on. It's terrible. I, I've, I just... If I had my choice... No, I actually... I think the thing is... I would watch it again because it's that bad and it's just... <laughs> do you know what I mean? You watch it and think, oh no, yeah. oh no, oh no. All I've got to say, one thing is, back credit card. He's got, he's got a credit card. Batman's got yeah. a credit card in this film. That's ridiculous. Again, another magically appearing item like the coin. Batman has a credit card? Batman Why has a credit card to buy Poison yeah. Ivy. Yeah, because there's a point in the movie where Poison Ivy arrives and it's basically a date with her or something along those They're lines. Bidding on women. Yeah, and it's a case of Batman and Robin are standing there in full, you know, regalia, full outfits, everything. And uh, Bruce starts bidding on Poison Ivy. And Robin replies with bids. And Batman's like, oh, you can't afford it. And he says, I'll borrow it from you. How's that going to work? And then Batman, you know, wins the bidding and he just flips out the credit card and it has the Bat logo on it and all that sort of stuff. It's just like, oh. Ah! He. <laughs> what? Yeah. That, makes, credit card? that makes no sense to be like, hi, I would like to apply for a credit card. That is fine. What is your share? What is your name? Batman. Your no, share no, no, name? No, no, no. It's a, it's a Batman bat credit card. It's not a bat. It's not a credit card in his name. It's a Batman credit card. Yeah. Like that's just bank, the bank of Batman. That's ridiculous. It's just like you expect Batman to go in and what a Seven Eleven and go like just a milk. I've just thought that is the easiest way to track down who Batman is. Just trace the blooming transaction to the bank account. <laughs> the thing, the the thing is, with, with this film, like, Bat, like you say, how they were bidding on women at this charity auction. Batman in the first two films was just in the dark. No one knew who he was. No, he wasn't a public figure. Now, by the yeah. time this film's come along, he's doing charity auctions bidding on women. It sounds very seedy. It does, it's quite dodgy, I must admit. It's terrible. This film is so bad. I can't believe we're still talking about this film. I'm almost. I feel. Well, sad. We've, we've still a few. Couple, we've still a couple of questions left. I feel for it. sad. This, this is the one with the least number of questions as well, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, Victor Freeze's change. Um, Boring. Is very much like the Joker's in a sense. Um, Sorry, what? It is because what? they both fall in to a container of liquid Ugh. of some form. Could they have invented a different way and a more original way of changing him from, you know, Victor Freeze to Mr. Freeze, Lawrence? I think if they just put him on ice or kept him cool. I don't know, mate. This film, they could have thought of many different ways to make this film better. (laughs) They just didn't do it. You can't. 
This one's just bad. I can't. I keep saying it. I'm a bad. I'm a bad podcast reviewer. Aren't I? I just say this is bad. I don't. I you don't. Can't... I don't think any podcast reviewer or podcast team could actually pull out anything other than bad as every other word. Well, well I've got some one thing to say that was very positive about this film. The cover of it looked pretty nice. That was about <laughs> it. That was about it. No, the film's called Batman and Robin. It's, that's the the title's even bad. Isn't it? I know. It, whereas, in actual fact, it's Batman and Robin and Batman. Yeah, you and should just really put and freeze should, and, and and. You should just really call it Batman and Friends. Go mm. camping or something like that. Sounds like an earnest. It film. is. It is. It's like the Care Bears movie. Surprised <laughs> <laughs> they didn't break out into song in the middle of this. <laughs> Maybe that was song. something that Schumacher wrote. Batman yeah. and Robin dance with poison ivy while serenading her singing uh, this song. Alan, please get through these I think, questions. I think, I think we're, I'm actually going to uh, skip the questions because we're at a point okay. where we've pretty much rambled on and we've actually already covered them because we've mentioned, obviously, Poison Ivy trying to turn them against each other and that stupid bidding war. There you go, just Chris, you well, tear up the well, there's, there. There's the one thing in this film they try and make a moral thing of it, isn't there, where, like, Batman yes, and Robin, when Robin and... Batgirl are falling and Batman doesn't catch them to save them. And yes. At the end, Robin's like, "You didn't catch me. Normally, you do." He goes, "Well, I knew you'd be okay." Or just so you know, Robin. Yeah. Just I couldn't be bothered catching him because you're a whiny little git. The film. <laughs> this film is bad. I mean, if you look at the um, there's a bit when all the cars are frozen, all the icicles are just all wobbly. Yeah. It's just that was. Oh. Oh, come on, please talk about the uh, one of the better films, please. Come on, please go from Batman or... Oh, before we go, uh, Lawrence, how would you rank this film? Number Six, one. Number one. <laughs> You've already used your... Oh, you haven't used your number one. Okay, number right, one. Number six. Number six. Uh, yeah, six for me. Alan? And obviously a six. Is that like a nine? <laughs> Is that a nine, yeah? No, that would be... Well, if I could rate it nine, I probably would, but... Uh, <laughs> Six it is. Okay. I'd give it right. infinity if I could. Yeah, <laughs> not be made. Yeah, so, uh, folks... Phantom Zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Neil before Zod. And then Super, um, Superman can take a dump on it. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so let's move from the, the great travesty that is Batman and Robin and move to... Batman Begins. Oh no, Batman Begins. Sorry, it's all that Batman and Robin talk. It's just not me for six. Quite literally, because we all give six. Yeah. And that way, six, 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 devil. Batman and Robin is the beast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So join us after the break, and we will talk about Batman Begins. You're listening to a podcast on PopCultureNetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on store. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retroshock with crazy cool Chris Vent and awfully awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. 
Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. Parents' death was not your fault. My parents deserve justice. I cannot let that pass. If you make yourself more than just a man, then you become something else entirely. Which is a legend, Mr. Wayne. Master Wayne, are you coming back for long, sir? As long as it takes to show the people of Gotham their city doesn't belong to the criminals and the corrupt. Bruce? Rachel? You were gone a long time. I know. Things are worse than ever down here. What chance does Gotham have when the good people do nothing? No make survival suit for advanced infantry. Terrible law utility harness, gas-powered magnetic grapple gun. What's that? On the tumbler? You wouldn't be interested in that. I spent a lot of time being scared for you. And I heard you were back. But the man I loved. The man who vanished never came back. He's here. Who? The Batman. Gotham isn't beyond saving. Let's hold on! Guy dresses up like a bat clearly has issues. So, welcome back from the break, and uh, we apologise for the travesty. Well, we shouldn't have to apologise. It should be fucking Joe Schumacher and all those numpties who decide to be fun to write. But anyway, we're here to talk about the goodness and the gloriousness that is Before Batman it Begins. Again. It's not WrestleMania 20, you know. So, uh, Lawrence, some eight years have passed since the inverted commas death of Batman movies. Did this bring him back to the good old days via a great film? Yes, made him into a darker, more realistic tone. Definitely, this film did, didn't it? It was great. This film, this film was is is brilliant. And then, obviously, the one we're going to go on to next was even better. This this is a great film franchise, and it's fantastic. Yes, Alan. Oh yes, I think the big thing besides going back to the darkness is the fact that we. You know, we mentioned in the first Batman movie, we kind of see the seeds slightly of how Batman began in the sense of um, his parents dying. But in this, you really see where the big influence came from. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's slightly different from what we saw in the original Batman, that he falls down the well and all the bats rush towards him, and that's where kind of the impression comes from. 
but it's nice to see that, that they've just taken a slightly different you know route from that and you actually see that from day one as a child that's influenced his life yeah I, I, I was um, when I first saw this film though, I was very I don't think I liked it the first time I saw it I, oh, I think it was the same as you it was the same with me just, and I like a, uh, one. I think it was like Gladiator I didn't enjoy the first time I watched Gladiator but the second time I enjoyed it a bit more I don't understand why they didn't have the Joker kill his parents Mm. Well, obviously it was different, wasn't it? Different, just a different storyline. So yeah, yeah. That that really annoyed me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I it just it kind of brings it back to the good old days, and you have a good film to sit down and watch, and you know, like it's one of those films that you can really watch um, anytime. And obviously, we have a couple of big profile names which we'll touch on later on. So, uh, Alan, um, the Batman movie returns to its core roots for the more mature audience making it more darker and stuff for you was this a welcome move after the campiness that was Batman and Robin with its rubber nipples shut up just shut up another Joel Schumacher awfulness but um, indeed it is and was a welcome return to what Batman should always be and that is in a motion picture serious a bit of darkness in there, a real good plot behind it, because there was a hell of a brilliant plot to this, because it takes you right through, explains not just how he became Batman, but also the, you know, the likes of his fighting techniques that he learns and all that sort of stuff. So the likes of, you know, Nolan, who had, you know, this was his baby, his restarting of the franchise, it just can't be explained how good it was to feel to see Batman back as strong as it was. Mr. Case? Oh, I totally agree. It was. It made it a lot more realistic, like Batman could actually happen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like a, a dude could go and train up and then become this badass vigilante. And that's what made these two films so good. I mean, I mean another thing with this film which made it so good was Christopher Nolan's direction. Yeah. You know, I love that all the um, all the, the shots they does flying over Gotham and it was Chicago obviously um, what was the film that came out in the summer of Leonardo DiCaprio in which Nolan directed oh Inception uh, yeah. yeah see that was the same like, and much like Dark Knight all those helicopter shots flying around I mean just the whole feel of this movie was like it, it's, it's amazing it's like a, it's like a nervous this and the Dark Knight it's even more intense it's like a nervous build to this great crescendo which is a fantastic film. I think another big thing to do with the feeling is, and it's obviously it's the same with Dark Knight because Nolan is directing genius, is the way you mentioned, obviously, the likes of the helicopter shots. It's those shots mixed with the music that he has yeah, got yeah. for this movie. You know, the really strong beat to it. Yeah, and that's what builds that nervous energy. And then by the end, oh, brilliant film. And then the next one, oh, I can't wait to go on to that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice to have it back to the darkness, you know, like, um, obviously you have this almost like being the origin story of Batman and how it comes about, and then the Dark Knight, obviously, it's, it's dark as well, hence why it's called the Dark Knight, you know, it's like some of the stuff that happens in that, but I just enjoy watching Batman Begins and um, some of the, thi- like, the villain 
things, but uh, Lawrence, um, I can't. Uh, okay, uh, Christian Bale plays Batman in this <laughs> movie. Obviously, this gentleman is better than Clooney, but in your opinion, is he better than Keaton? Hmm, I don't think so for this film. <laughs> no, that voice he does. The where, 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 Alfred. Where are you trying to kill him? Where is he? I mean, how could he do that? <laughs> his vocal cords. But, I mean, it's a good thing he's not a singer because he would lose his voice. But I mean. Uh, apart from that, he's great. He's a great Bruce Wayne. He's a great Batman. And Bruce Wayne is is a lot in this film. Obviously, he's a lot more in this film than probably any of the other previous Batman films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shows his training and all that. And he's great. It shows him young, which you didn't get to see in the other films. He sort of shows him growing up. And um, the bit when he went to the court and was going to shoot the guy who killed his parents but then didn't. And shows his, his relationship with Rachel building when they were younger. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't think he's as good... For me, Ke- 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 Keaton's got like um, he's just crazy, and I feel like he could be Batman because he's that crazy. Christian Bell, uh, I'm just I'm actually having a conversation with myself here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're as good as each other. They go, I'll sit on the fence. Okay, I think with Christian Bale, I find. Do you ever watch Smallville, Lawrence? Do I watch Smallville? I watch yeah. Smallville all the time. Right, you know Lana Lang. Yeah. Yeah. With me, I find that Christian Bale and her whisper. They don't talk, they whisper. I find with Christian Bale, like as Bruce Wayne, he tends to whisper an awful lot. And it's like, what? What are you saying? There's a running joke I have with a friend. Wherever I keep saying that Lana Lang, you know, like uh, Clark will say something and Lana will just reply with... <laughs> uh, older small versions of Lana Lang isn't very good, to be honest. No. No. Lewis? Lewis? That's fine. That's all gravy. But that's for a different day but uh, yes. yeah for, for me Michael Keaton nailed Batman and Bruce Wayne but and Bale looks troubled which was good he played he played it well the, he played the rich man when he could be because obviously when he, he was here he was had the intern, internal turmoil of being Batman and all the troubles he's gone through then when he needs to be the rich man playboy he played that back very well as well I thought that brought some humour to the film mm-hmm. yeah. oh uh, for me, um, I still, I think, I think Keaton is the better Batman overall, but I think Bale would be the better Bruce Wayne. Yes. Um, I think that's the way it works because Christian Bale, obviously, like Lawrence said, we see a lot more of Bruce yeah. Wayne in this movie because it basically is a really big prequel to Batman because we see obviously him learning and all that sort of stuff you see again if we touch on the likes of Val Kilmer the emotionless let's not touch on Val Kilmer ever you know Val Kilmer very emotionless and all whereas Christian Bale you see the wide range from anger sadness you know the playboy aspect you know the fun going guy mm-hmm. and you know concern and all that sort of stuff you see all those you know characteristics from Bale as Bruce Wayne yeah his Batman, again, is a wee bit... It's lacking compared to Keaton's. Um, it can't... You know, it's still far above the likes of Val Kilmer and Clooney, you know? Mm-hmm. But it is... It's a wee bit... You have to question, why did he do the voice? Why does Bat... You know, is that... Is, is you know... Is his face mask, you know, so tight that it absolutely wrecks his throat or something that he can't talk properly? <laughs> oh, you know... Is it a case of someone can't put his voice into an analyzer and work out that it's actually Bruce Wayne or something? Uh, but 
I know he's trying to sound menacing and you know evil sort of a wee bit, but you know that's a wee bit dodgy. Hey, it's okay when he does it when he's shouting at someone, trying to intimidate. Yeah, definitely. Them. But then but when, when he's, he's just doing he's a just conversation with Gordon or or someone, or even when he like the bit when he gets the he scarecrow's crazy powder in his face and falls down, you know, and he sets on fire, and he's, yeah. he's talking like you've done, you've done the bit, Chris, when he was going Alfred, Alfred. He's doing it there, and it's like you don't need to do it there. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, hopefully, yeah. if they do a new one, he, he won't have that because that was a big. Big problem with the film. Not a big problem, was it? A lot of people whinged about the voice of Batman. Mm. So, Alan, we see Bruce Wayne training with Raz Al Ghul. Yes, yeah. well done. Uh, he's the leader of the League of Shadows. For you, was it weird seeing Batman's different type of backstory and how he got trained um, up, you know, that kind of thing? Weird but good because um, it isn't just a case of miraculously this multi million billionaire can actually, in fact, fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I know if you're a multimillionaire, you could go out and get like karate lessons or sh- rubbish like this. But there's a lot more. <laughs> there's a lot more meaning to um, how Batman can actually fight people because he has went out. He trekked, you know, up the mountain. You know, recovered the flower, took it, you know, to Ra's al Ghul, Liam Neeson, and you know he accepted that. And you know he trained him. And you know I just love the scene where they're on the, the ice mm-hmm. and they're fighting away with the swords and. Uh, Christian Bale's using like so what is it the spikes on the yes. back of his sleeve and all that sort of I think that's fantastic and getting to see just where it all just fits together and then the eventual return to you know Gotham mm-hmm. it's just it's a, it's nice you know it's a good way to go about it Lawrence I don't think it was weird I think it was different and very good it was that it really developed the character and showed how he did become this badass vigilante which you didn't see in um you didn't see it in the first Batman you didn't, well in the uh, Tim Burton Batman did you how no. he became Batman and it's obviously it's called Batman Begins so that's what the story had to do it had to show his beginnings of how he became Batman it's good mm-hmm. I like it very very good to see a different take on how Batman you know came about you know rather than just being thrust upon us we see the trouble he's gone through the torment that he's gone through you know like this guy's obviously mega rich but he's still not happy and then obviously you know we can see the passion in him you know whenever he's with Alfred and he's um, saying about making a back cave and that kind of stuff um, Lawrence, we see Michael Caine as Alfred Gary Oldman as Sergeant Slaughter uh, Sergeant Slaughter? <laughs> Sergeant Gordon and Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox, Aiden Wayne and becoming Batman. Um, for you, did these terrific actors help wipe the memory of the previous film being Batman? And these are, these are all top of the shelf actors, though, aren't they? Proper yeah. serious film actors, aren't they? Yes. And of course, it does. I mean, the Michael Caine as Alfred is awesome because he's yeah. such a he's such a big name actor and he's playing a butler, but it doesn't. He still plays it so well. And, but he's another one. He plays Michael Caine. It's Michael Caine in every film, much like Jack yeah. Nicholson is Jack Nicholson in every film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's um, and it's just great. I, I love. It. I, I think um, Lucius Fox was great. Morgan Freeman, he plays. He's always in so so many serious films. He's also in a lot of funny films. But you know, yeah, it does. Did did definitely have wiped the memory of that terrible film. <laughs> and, you know, anything could have, couldn't it? Though you know. Yeah. Um. You can't you can't say enough about the likes of Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, and the like Michael Caine. It's it is unbelievable to think that yes, he's playing a butler, 
but it's just such a pivotal character and he makes it his own you know like Lauren said it is Michael Caine but everybody loves to see that everybody loves to see you know the Michael Caine mannerisms the way he speaks and uh, in this he is the very he's not very I would say judgmental he just again nearly like oh, God forbid to mention um, forever he teaches you know Bruce you know just these wee sayings and you know letting him know how to get, go through life you know just make things a wee bit better he's very knowledgeable is what he's knowledgeable yeah because of his background you know being in the war and all that sort of stuff Morgan Freeman tremendous actor I think the character Lucius Fox is you know a nice wee dynamic to the film you know this guy who was involved with Bruce's father you know he was very high up in the company yeah. but as soon as the likes of Bruce disappeared off the face of the planet after his parents died just basically got chucked to the side and I think Gary Oldman's Gordon is a bit like Max in Returns mm-hmm. he is very a background character in Begins yeah but he ties it all together and makes it really, really good. Yeah. I think, obviously, with the last one, we had so many big names and it was rubbish, whereas these ones here, you know, you've also went through a rigorous casting thing and, you know, as everyone said, Michael Caine is just fantastic as Alfred, you know, how he plays a butler with such sincerity and just honesty, really. And just, you know, like, you can see that, you know... Um, there's a line in it wherever Bruce says to Alfred, you know, I thought I'd, I thought you'd given up on me, to which he replies, never, you know, and that kind of thing. And it's just, it's just the way they've all acted. It's just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, like Morgan Freeman is just really just works well. Um, as I'm, you know, like whenever he says about, the, like, we call that the tumbler and go like, what do you use it for? And it's good, like, why do you want to know? And then yeah. you just see them spinning around and it's just brilliant. But, Lawrence, what did you think of the new Bat- Batmobile and its implementation in the script? I think it was great. It was awesome, wasn't it? Because it was, it was like a tank. But no, this is the thing with this film. When I first saw it, I was a bit like, hmm, I'm not sure if I like this film. You know, it was... <laughs> do you know what I mean? But then yeah. The second time you watch it, it was, it was amazing. And the Batmobile was another part of that. When I saw it the first time, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I like that Batmobile. We should be driving around in the car, not a big tank. And then... It was just to see it a second time and, and watch it back and forth. It's it's brilliant. I love that Batman. It's, it's it's a badass machine, isn't it? It's, <laughs> <laughs> is it a tank, isn't it? What is it? Yeah. What, is it a real, it's, um, is it a real thing? What it is is um, I'll begin by saying I absolutely adore this vehicle. I would absolutely love to have one of these. It is just it looks like the ultimate boys' toy, which ties in again to the fact that Bruce Wayne is the playboy and he's like. That looks like that would be fun for Ruben. Yeah, that's, that's they. basically why he took it there, wasn't it? They tried it downstairs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the thing about it is, what it is, I think, as Lucius Fox explains to it, it was meant to go ahead of tanks in battle. And yeah. if like, there was a river or something, they would use the power boost and jump over the ca- you know, the river or the gap or whatever, mm-hmm. um, towing lines, and then that would lower the bridge down. So they were like, you know, a reconnaissance vehicle. They would go ahead early and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I just love the fact of... It's this, you know, it looks like a tank, but it's really mobile, and it has just a big kind of jet engine sticking out the yeah. back. And I just, I think the test drive scene of it is really class and sets up. You know, you look at it and you're like, this looks like this thing can do some serious. This is coming later back. Later, <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. You see it later in the film, going across rooftops yeah. and the like. It's just like, whoa. But that you was know, um, it really tough and indestructible until obviously Dark Knight. 
very realistic though isn't it like it could be yeah. a real is it is it a real car is it a real it is it is actually a real car Lawrence um it cost them i think about seven hundred thousand dollars to make um but it was based off i think it was some american muscle car but they built it all around it and you know it wasn't just you know like a wee cover on top of a proper car you know the, yeah. all the wheels worked the engine was proper mm-hmm. and because uh, i remember seeing a video on youtube of it and they actually show you the inside of it it's not as big as you see in the movie but there's still, you know, a proper cockpit, you know, smaller in scale, but, you know, it's there and can be driven properly. Okay. It plays along with that whole real, you know, the re- the real, the realness of the film, doesn't it, really? You know? yeah. yeah. Rather than having something CGI just been plastered in it, you know, that kind or of thing. Or a car that can drive up a wall. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lawrence, obviously the Scarecrow is the main villain in this film and we see more of Arkham Asylum than we did in Batman Forever did you enjoy Scarecrow as a villain before we saw the twist of the returning League of Shadows yeah I did he was very cool wasn't he very cool good. was it Cillian Murphy the actor he was a very good actor so. um, is that his name I think so is he from your hometown <laughs> no Liam Neeson is <laughs> Liam Neeson no no it's, um, he was good wasn't he I mean it's because you know, for the first Batman film in a new in a new series, it's strange having the Scarecrow. He's not really a very mainstream villain, is he? You would have thought they would have gone for the Joker first time round, but mm-hmm. he was good, yeah, well, wasn't he? That's, that is that is the thing. I think that Nolan made a good, very well dangerous, but in the long run, correct decision by not just going right. Let's go immediately and jump in with one of the big characters everybody knows from the previous films. Yeah. He thought, let's use somebody that is you know back there in the comics and all that sort of stuff that uh, everybody will be you know uh, you know the wider audience wouldn't know who really Scarecrow is yeah very much like say the Sandman and Spider-Man 3 yeah so they'll be they'll be thinking you know who is this guy what's the basis of this character and then obviously you know it is there's no other main characters in this movie you know besides Scarecrow and Raz al Ghul and I think it's a very good idea that they went that route, and I like the way he is this, you know, kind of psychiatric doctor guy, and he's basically, you know, there's the people who are getting sent away, there's like the crime lord guy who gets put away, and he sprays him with the stuff yes, just yeah. to get him sent to Arkham for yeah. his own experiments. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was good how, they, um, how like, it built, uh, you know, like they said about the, the, the thing, the like the water molecular thing, like... I got stolen and you didn't know who it was stolen by until the end when you found out Raz al Ghul stole it it was mm-hmm, great yeah. and when, when Raz al Ghul turned up at the Bruce Wayne's party yeah uh, yes. that was awesome wasn't it yeah I think that's a class thing about obviously I was mentioning about Beale's Bruce Wayne just the way you see him in the corridor with Alfred and he just says Alfred this is you know like basically it's going to kick off and he just walks around the corners acting all drunk and all that sort yeah. of stuff to basically safely get everybody out yeah. of Wayne Manor before it kicks off and just the kind of quiet talking between him and Ghoul before really just all hell breaks loose and Wayne Manor gets burnt to the ground the people in Gotham City in that Batman storyline must think Bruce Wayne is not a nice person he, <laughs> yeah, has, to, he exactly. has to make a lot of sacrifices in his life doesn't he because in both films to, to get to protect people doesn't he Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a lot different again to the previous Batman, yeah. you know, the original two Batman movies. You know, Bruce Wayne's out there and he's fine, and Batman is still, you know, reasonably loved character. There's never really, there's only really the time where in, for, uh, uh, sorry, in Returns where he's thought to push the girl off the building. Mm. But apart from that, Batman was always loved in the early films, whereas now there's always the sacrifices from Bruce and the sacrifices from Batman. 
Yeah, people must think he's um a hole. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Bruce Wayne's an a-hole because he does all this stuff in these films like that party and he there was the guy who says you're nothing like your father or your father would be ashamed of you and he told everyone to yeah. leave the party yeah. he's just doing it to protect them it's good ok well obviously we we're touching on the finale and stuff there so Lawrence after the finale Batman is a hero and Bruce regains control of Wayne Enterprises so obviously we see um, Batman and Gordon on the rooftop uh, with a possible return of a much-loved villain. Um, for you, was this a nice ending to the film with the possible t- with the teasing of the Joker card? I think the first time I saw it, it wasn't so much. It was like, oh wow, they're going to make a sequel then. But then when you've seen The Dark Knight and then you go back and watch The Batman Begins, then you think, ho 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 ho, this is. <laughs> I think we've hit the honey part. <laughs> <laughs> Because the thing that, I think that maybe is the case is obviously we've been mentioning that it was one of those ones that would grow on you, yeah. And it does make a lot more sense. You can see where Nolan was going from. He was laying, you know, the foundation for Dark Knight, and you know it all led to this point at the end. It begins where Batman's standing there just chatting away with Gordon. You see Gordon saying, you know, like basically, I thought you'd be interested in this. Yeah. Sees the card, and then you're like party time, and then yeah. you go back and watch Dark Knight again. Yeah. I'll look into it. Okay, so uh, Lawrence, if you were to r- okay, if you were to rank this, um, what number would you give this? Four. Which is, it sounds really bad, but cause I see. Um, but I, one to four for me are all so close, so they're all really one. But four for this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a four for me as well. Oh. It's a four for me as well. <laughs> Which means, Lawrence, we are 100%. Yeah. Well, what are you going to get us, Chris, as a prize? I don't know. I might get you a ticket to a Voodoo Vegas concert. <laughs> I'm, pretty well in, I'm, I'm pretty well in with the lead singer, but I'll see what I can do. I don't know. We may sort you out with something, Lawrence. Who knows? You might get a, a Ghostbuster toy from me. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I'll not say what, but you may get a Ghostbuster toy from me. So, uh, obviously, Batman has went on forever. He's had... Uh, well, Batman didn't end up going on forever in that case in those early yeah. films. But then Batman had a beginning, and then Batman's going to have a very dark night. So he is... It's not that dark outside, but anyway, it's a dark night. So join us after the break whenever we'll be discussing one of the finest Batman films possibly ever made, uh, Batman the Dark Knight. So we will see you after the break. Hi, this is Larry Cavi, the voice of Lionel from Thundercat. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vince on Operation Retroshock. Thunder, 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 Thundercat. Oh! Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box, and you're with Chris Vince and Alan Price, and this is Operation Retroshock, only on the Pop Culture Network. Hi, my name is James Etook, and you're listening to Operation Retro Shock, which covers all things retro, much like Serial Geek magazine. Head over to SerialGeek.com to buy the glossy magazine dedicated to the cartoons of the 80s, like He-Man, She-Ra, Transformers, Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc., etc.
Chris Jericho and Fozzie. You're listening to Operation Retroshock with Chris and Alan, the sexiest beast in the UK. Nice to meet you, of And welcome back to the Dark Knight. Why should I kill me? <laughs> this is going to be great. I can't wait. And not as in Batman, Robin. Great as in like dissecting it and tearing it apart. This is actually going to be legitimately good conversation. It's going to be much love to the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> much props. This, of course, it was the most anticipated Batman sequel of all time. It has grossed $1 billion worldwide and, of course, had the hype of not only most anticipated sequel, but the only Batman movie never to have Batman in the title. Was the hype worth it, Lawrence? Yes, definitely. I actually went and saw this film, I think it was two weeks before it came out, uh-huh. Uh, in the UK so I had some friends that worked in the cinema mm-hmm. and they got me into the cinema they got me in to watch it uh, and I think the film started we started watching it at 2 o'clock in the morning awesome they watched it from 2 till I don't know what time however long it was 2 hours half 4 5 yeah we were there from half half 4 and they got like, loads of free popcorn we watched it like loads of the employees of the cinema so it was amazing well worth it it was an amazing film so good isn't it it's just it's so good this film yeah um i remember going to see it with my dad um i said to him you know enjoy batman begins and i said you look do you want to go and see um 
the Dark Knight, you know, new Batman film, which was like, yeah, sure, and um, we said her mum, you know, like, we went about two o'clock in the afternoon, saying, we said, well, you know, we said her mum, will be back for about four, half four, you know, so if you have the dinner ready, so it's like, we're sitting there, and I'm looking at the watch, and Dad's looking at the watch, thinking it's half four, and he's taking the phone, I texting mum, and saying, we'll be a bit late, the film's still going on, and, <laughs> but it was just one, even though it was, re- it was quite a long film, you know, like, it wasn't like a, like, I find whenever I watch Lord of the Rings, like, I'm really tired after watching it. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't a chore watching it. It was pure enjoyment oh, watching yeah. it. You know, like, and then just seeing some of the things, which we'll touch on, you know, but just some of the things in the film and the storyline and stuff, it just kept you gripped. Uh, it kept you stuck to your seat. Yeah. Um, I had to went and saw this movie probably at least five times in the cinema. I adored it. It was, again, it was the fact that two and a half to three hours could go so quickly. Yes. You know, the likes of, you said, Lord of the Rings, it really felt like a three-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you would sit down and you would be watching away and you would maybe glance down your your watch or whatever and you would say, what, is that how far, you know, is that how long I've been watching this yeah. already? Um, but it really was fantastic to go and see it because it is one of those movies that um, yes if you watch it at home maybe with surround sound it's really good but it was a real real cinema movie because the likes of sitting in your seat and like the rumble of yeah. say like the tumbler going down the street and the, you know the explosions it all just vibrating through the chairs and just that feeling is just it was great I yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, of course, we have to mention the late Heath Ledger portrays what could be considered a more sinister Joker, winning him the post uh, anonymous uh, Oscar. Um, but did we as fans prefer Ledger or Nicholson? I know we mentioned this in the last episode, but Lawrence, what is your opinion? Hmm. Yes, because he was completely different than any other thing that Heath Ledger had had ever done any other performance than Heath Ledger had ever done mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson although he was amazing in the film like I said was just playing Jack Nicholson as yeah. the Joker Heath Ledger was amazing I heard he like locked himself away in his in his room for like two months just was st- studying his voice on the tapes he didn't want to sound like Jack Nicholson's Joker yeah. it, was it really amazing. was he really put the effort into it why oh, so serious <laughs> <laughs> Chris um, yeah, um, as much as Heath Ledger was brilliant in it, I would have to prefer Nicholson. I just think Nicholson, maybe it was a case of maybe, you know, there were certain aspects of the Joker that Ledger watched Nicholson and said, right, I'm going to interpret that, but I'm going to twist it into this. You know, like, obviously, you know, we saw a great magic trick and, you know, making the pencil disappear yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah. Um, Nothing takes away from his performance. One of one of the best performances in a Batman movie from start to finish. Um, it's just um, as Heath Ledger, and unfortunately, with him passing away, um, we'll not get to see. You know, like if he was going to be kept in, you know, the other Batman yeah. films. But he's left a great film as a as a last reminder of what he can do. They're not going to recast the role, are they? No, they aren't. Uh, no one has came out and said that uh, Joker will not appear in any of his Batman movies from now on, which I think is the best choice he could ever make. Yeah. Because it leaves, like you say, such a lasting impression. In my opinion, 
between Nicholson and Ledger. Both really good performances, but the thing for me that edges it for Ledger as the better Joker is the amount of effort that Ledger would have had to put into the role. Lawrence said that, of course, it's very Joker was Nicholson turned up to 11, um, whereas Ledger really just thought about his role and thought what he would do and to make Joker his own. And that is the defining factor for Joker because the whole... Yes, Joker in Batman, the original Batman, had his you know his sinister plans with you know the soap, the you know makeup, all that sort of stuff. But there's so many different things that Joker does in Dark Knight. Obviously, yes, the pencil check making the pencil disappear. Um, but then there's the bit where obviously I can't, I don't think the guy's ever named, but the not to sound at all dodgy but the black gang member who has his bodyguards there obviously the one that gets the pencil trick but he says I want this clown dead or alive and offers a you know ransom money for him but then when Joker arrives you know he's you know just pretend to be dead lying there in the body bag and then gets up and then obviously you know cut slices your man's throat or slices yeah. part of his cheek or something um, and then he snaps the pulk you know cue in half yeah. says we're gonna have trials so basically you know, they're going to have to fight to the death with, you know, really sharp, pointy pull cues. Yeah. It's just all those sorts of stuff. The twists of, um, he says, you don't create a plan. You know, if you say, I'm going to blow up a bridge or I'm going to blow up this, you know, I'm going to blow up, um, you know, say he's going to threaten, you know, the mirror or something. He says, people won't panic about that. He says, but if I say I'm going to blow up one little, you know, say a granny or something like that, people will be like oh that's really cruel you know and all that sort of stuff but then he goes back and he says later on he says it was all part of the plan so it shows you that he's throwing things from all the different directions and that he is so twisted in that he contradicts himself because obviously he contradicts the story about how he gets his scars as well yes uh you know he says it was because of his wife and then he says it was because Because of his his dad dad here you know he says that to Rachel and then he explains about the scars when he's gonna kill the black gang member So he's just, just, he's, he, he's just evil in this film, and that's why. Although obviously it's not so much what Heath Ledger done, it's the the writing of the of the script. But the Joker in this film is pure, pure evil, and Nicholson was a lot more jolly and jovial, with like balloons pumping out gas. And though it was still good, and that wasn't so much what Nicholson he couldn't control what the script was. But no, the Joker in this this film was scary, wasn't he? And I just one thing I'd like to say go back on the go back on this film was that. One of my favourite graphic novels is The Dark Knight Returns. Have you uh-huh. guys ever read it? I have. I have read bits of it. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a bit when there's all the vinti- vigilante Batman's going around. <laughs> yes, yes, the vigilante there's, Batman's. There's the bit at the start of this film which is like that, and I love that bit because that's one of my favourite favourite graphic novels ever. I, I love the comment that Batman makes at the beginning of that. You know, um, he's saying, you know, they're like, we're only trying to help, and he says. Yeah, but I'm not the one wearing hockey pads. So he's basically saying, yeah. you're, you're throwing stuff together. You're going to get yourself ki- killed. Why is the hell up? The thing, there was a weird wee thing at the start of the movie I didn't get in that sense as well, is, you know, Scarecrow makes a very random reappearance. That's very random, isn't it? Yeah, because it he turns just appears up. up and Batman just happens to be able to just go, I tie you up and leave you with the other vigilante Batman, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, I totally forgot that he was even there, to be honest. Yeah, it was, it was really just a random, you know, early thought. I don't know 
was there you know specific reasoning to say that you know Scarecrow got away or stuff like just that originally? But kind of trying to keep the continuity between yeah, the two suppose, films that was really done between the last four. Okie doke. Um, of course, uh, Harvey Dent makes a reappearance here and is the district DA for Gotham. Um, he obviously he starts showing hints of his turn before obviously he gets his face burned by the acid. Um, did we buy into his emotional torment, Lawrence? Yes, we did, because there was nothing else he could do. The Joker was basically just ruining, ruining all of them, wasn't he? There's the bit when um, he thought Gordon got killed. Yeah. yeah. And then he kidnapped the guy who shot Gordon and then was just fl- flipping the coin. And then I, that, I totally bought into it. I, 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 I can't remember the guy's name who played him. What's his name? Sorry. Bad. No idea. Oh, flip it! Oh, I, sh- I should feel ashamed to have forgot his name at all. Oh, Aaron Eckhart. Yes, Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. Right. He played that role so well. It was. I bought into all of it, and it was great because. I mean, it didn't show it in the. Well, we can't compare it to two Harvey Dents, really. Well, you can. Oh but, yeah, well yeah. But like, he didn't. He says, "I control my own fate," and obviously, he had a double-headed coin, two heads yeah. on it. The thing, I think I would compare between the two, you know, obviously the two Two-Faces, um, <laughs> so to say, um, is this movie, no one completely controls um, how prominent both villains become and are. Obviously, in Forever, like was said, Two-Face becomes a very background character, whereas both Joker, it's nearly like Joker in this promotes Two-Face, you know, to that higher level of bad guy, obviously in the hospital, and you know, introduce a little anarchy. You know, and Two Face nearly becomes slightly more important towards the end because it's more of a personal struggle struggle for him. Yes, the likes of Gordon's family. So it's a case of it's a really job well done, in my opinion. What about you, Chris? Um, yeah, as, as we've said, um, it's a case of. He has more of a purpose and more of a um, reason to be in this film than, say, like in Batman Forever. But even though he's in with probably the most recognisable Batman film in The Joker, it doesn't lessen or cheapen his character. And obviously, as we've said, you know, like, um, this brings the emotional side of one of the villains, you know, and I think he portrayed it very well. And uh, even though Tommy Lee Jones is quite a good actor, um, I think he vastly outperformed uh, Tommy Lee Jones as portraying oh, yeah, Two Face. Definitely, definitely. Um, of course, obviously, we Gordon is back in this film. He is yeah. now he is now a, a lieutenant. Even um, Gordon, once again, he's vital to this film. Obviously, the faking of his death in order to capture Joker, only to realise that it was all for nothing, and it was, as I said, part of Joker's plan um did we think gordon deserved more screen time and of course he was the only one to talk to batman at the end of the film lawrence i think he got quite a lot of screen time in this film he got he he got he got more than begins but it's still a case of you know it's probably the point could be raised that you know he didn't get as much screen time because of his faking of his death but you know it just adds up really i think he is pivotal to the whole film obviously like you said I, i i think gordon got as much screen time as that was needed for this for the story of the film like it was good because you saw his family at the end of the film you saw his son and mm-hmm. what he was fighting for as well you know why he wanted gotham to be he wasn't just 
he wasn't just a police officer he was he had a family he had a wife you know she thought he died then he came back to life and it was you saw what he was fighting for so he, he had enough screen time for me I thought it was perfect Chris yes um very very just another superb actor and he just played his part so well in this I mean obviously we've seen in Batman Begins that you know um, a lot of the officers are on the take and he's like the only like straight laced one so obviously given that you know like he's been given a promotion then and obviously we see him go to you know commissioner and that kind of stuff Um, but um, he's just been he is one that's integral to the part and you can, as Lawrence says, you know, like you see that um, really in this film and in the last film as well, that he's the only one that you kind of see fighting for his family. Mm. You know, um, although you know, like you see his, uh, isn't it? Um, who is, isn't it? Um, the jo- is it the Joker? Two Face that captures his son. It's uh, Two Face takes his family to where Rachel died. Yeah, so, like, you know, you see what he's fighting for. You see the torment that Two Face is putting him through due to the fact that he's got his family there and, you know, like, he's powerless to stop them, really. But uh, just a very, very important part of the film. But this is where this film's so clever because it's like Harvey Dent was the White Knight of Gotham. Yeah. And Joker broke him down to turn him into this evil person that was going to kill Gordon's son. Yeah. That's why the that's why the Joker is just the ultimate villain villain in this movie. The so. one the one thing we haven't touched on, and I've just been thinking about there, is that Gordon is more than just a backup character. He is pivotal to it. Yeah. With 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 this new start with Nolan, we've you know we've been talking about we see how the roots of Batman began and all that sort of stuff, but we also see the start of Gordon. You know, yeah. it isn't yeah. just. He doesn't just walk in and he's Commissioner Gordon, he's the head of the place. Mm-hmm. He is a basic detective, then he's promoted to sergeant and then lieutenant, and then finally, after some fantastic work and trickery by faking his death, he is promoted to the top job and it becomes Commissioner of Gotham Police Force. Yeah. It really is not only evolution of Batman, but the evolution of Gordon as a character and a person. And I think it's really good that you actually see the whole new dynamic. It isn't just what is this old fat man that has been in the place for maybe years and years mm-hmm. it's actually a Gordon who's reasonably young, is fighting for his family and I think it's good that the aspect of his family was brought into it and it isn't just Batman's struggle with villains there's also just that wee side part you know, if there's actually personal conflict but it also plays on Batman because obviously he's lost his parents yes. so he can see you know what Gordon's going through the fact that he could, you know, like his son, he could lose his son, and therefore his son could lose his dad, and that kind of thing. So that's why it plays on the emotional heartstrings of Batman. You know? Speaking of emotional heartstrings, I think the thing I love most about, well, the favourite line Gordon says, from, you know, in my opinion, in the movie is when he arrives home uh-huh. and he walks into his son's bedroom, and his son wakes up and is a wee bit groggy, and he says, Daddy, you know, he's like, you know, puzzled. He's not sure whether his dad's real or his dad's, you know, like a ghost or something like that. It's a dream. And he says, Did Batman save you, Daddy? And he goes, No, I saved him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's Batman was the one he actually needed saved at that stage, and Gordon managed to do that. Yeah. So he isn't just a backup character in the long run. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in the next movie. 
Um, of course, obviously, there was the kidnapping of Rachel and Harvey. Um, there had to be the tough choice for both Batman and the police. Um, who do they go to save? Batman, of course, um, thinking with his lower extremities than his brain, um, decides to go after Rachel. But in fact, because of Joker's, again, his plan when he was in the, um, in the police station, gives Batman the opposite address to where she in fact is he gives him the address of where Dent is so he goes off and we obviously see the demise of Rachel in a glorious explosion um, this leads to the final rise of Two-Face obviously um, sort of say facing Batman after being taken <laughs> to the hospital and that sort of stuff how do we think did we like the way it was geared up you know going from the hospital and then chasing down you know each of the crooked cops and then finally going after Gordon's families, Lawrence. Yeah, that was great. I mean, I, I know, I know. Chris thinks it was kind of stuck on at the end. Do you? Sorry. Do you think that bit was kind of stuck on at the end, all the Two Face stuff? Um, some of it was, yeah. But I think it's you know, obviously the the death of Rachel really makes the Two Face character blossom. Yeah, you know, man. like it, that it, gives it, him. It truly does, and this, the, I mean. That whole thing of going around, he's a, he was he was evil. He turned into the Joker, even to be more evil than the Joker was, to be fair. Doing yeah. the stuff like putting the belt on, and then when they're in the car, the guy, he flips the coin, the the, the bent cop That's gets brilliant. away yeah. gets away with it, and then he, he flips the coin for the driver, shoots the driver in the head, never crash, and it kills him. Who was that? Was that Eric? Was that a copper or was that Eric Roberts? That was that was that was Eric Roberts. So that was yeah. the, that was the mob boss. I think that that was a brilliant scene because just the puzzle, you know, the puzzling look on Eric Roberts' face because you know he says you know it couldn't hurt your chances to tell me who the crooked cops are. Yeah. And so he tells them you know it was Ramirez. You know, Two Face flips the coin, comes back okay, and Eric Roberts is all like, yeah, look, I'm fine. You know, ha ha ha. Then he just flips the coin again, and just the puzzle, and he's like, you know, who's that for? And he goes, your driver, just, and then just flips the car. Fantastic. It's awesome. I think it it just, and the reason why, I mean, this is what the other Batman films didn't have, what you didn't know why. Although Tommy Lee Jones was saying stuff like, Bruce, you're always a good friend to me. We never got no reason why Bruce was a good friend to to, to Uh Harvey Dent. It it didn't say why that was, but then you truly saw the reason why Two-Face was created. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, because I think even more so in this part of the movie is the fact of the way Joker said uh, create some anarchy. This allowed a distraction. You know, it allowed Joker. Joker was doing his part, you know, anyway. You know, he was, you know, the whole boat thing, you know, yeah. you know, choose, you know, blow it up or I'll blow you both up. Yeah. But at the same time, Batman decided, you know, I'm going after Joker. I have to go after Joker. He's the guy who's going to do all this ha- to harm. Yeah. But when this is all going on, Two Face is off doing all that other stuff, you know, killing the cops and all that sort of stuff, and then kidnapping Gordon's family. So Joker, even though Joker gets captured by Batman, his plan's still continuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just. And he pretty knew yeah. he got captured. He pretty, he pretty guessed he might have been. No, but his his plan failed when, for him, one one big thing failed when the boats didn't blow each other up, did they? Yeah, people's people's goodwill fought through. Exactly. Um, of course, uh, you know, at the end we saw that double finale, um, and you were kind of saying that maybe the two face stuff was stuck on. Do you think it was maybe just a little too much going on at the end, Lawrence? No, I don't think so. Because, like we've already said, it was all part of Joker's plan. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have carried over into another Batman film and Two-Face could have been the main bad guy. But I don't think so. I think it was perfect. It was all part of Joker's plan. It set it up nicely for a possible sequel, how they didn't want to show um, Harvey Dent had become corrupt and gone around done all the murders. He was Gotham's white knight and he was the thing that made Gotham into a pure city or trying to make it into a good city. And if the people found out that Harvey Dent had turned into Two-Face... It would have destroyed Gotham, and that would have been anarchy. For the, so it was a perfect ending for the film, mm-hmm. and they blamed Chris. it all on Batman. All the cops' deaths on Batman, didn't they? Exactly. I don't think we saw an, we saw enough of Harvey Dent, but I don't think we saw enough of Two Face. Mm. I think Two Face would have been one that you know, like fair enough. You know, like the stuff he did in the film was great. That's all, you know, granted. But um, I don't think we saw enough of his character. We saw the development of from Harvey to Two-Face but we didn't see enough of Two-Face so mm. I would have liked to have seen him you know like as Lauren said you know like in the, the sequel or whatever and um, it was nice to see how he um, the origin of well as how he actually became Two-Face mm. you know like that was something for me that was quite and really well done you know it was really well done but um, um, I think uh, unlike the the last, you know, like the fourth Batman film, whose title I'll not say, you know, like you have so much going on and so many plot lines and it doesn't work. Whereas here you have so much going on, but it works mm-hmm. and it's enjoyable and the time doesn't drag. And that's the key thing is that it's a film, it's an entertainment media, yeah. so it has to be entertaining, which it was. Exactly. And there's a part of me that thinks that Two Face isn't actually dead, so we'll have to wait and find that out in the next one. Ooh. Ooh. Speaking of the next one, our final you know, question in the sense is, uh, what would we like to see from the next Batman film, and who would we like to see villain-wise, and who would we cast as these villains? Lawrence? Tom Welling making a cameo as Superman. Mm. It won't happen, but I'm a real massive Smallville fan, so... I'd <laughs> well, there is, there is actually a plan, and uh, this is from kind of another movie that... Uh, have you ever seen I Am Legend, Lawrence? Yes, yes, uh, and there's a poster up on top, isn't it Superman and Batman? Yeah, a Batman and Superman film. There is yeah. actually a plan in the coming years for them to do a Batman and Superman film, so you may see you know, a Superman and Batman appear sometime on screen. But if they were to do that, they wouldn't have Tom Welling as Superman. Oh, yeah. They would have a guy who was in Superman Returns. No, no, yeah, it's, get, it's getting completely rebooted. He's not going to be back. Yeah. No, that's good. So but he's no, um, somebody fresh. It's <laughs> annoying. I would like to see that. I mean, I mean, just for me being a fanboy, I really like Smallville to see Tom Welling be Superman in a, in possibly make a cameo in it. But realistically, I don't think that would happen in the, in the Nolan tangent of films, really. Mm. Um, I mean, everyone's saying that Johnny Depp's going to be the Riddler. But the thing is, what I was thinking when we were talking about Two-Face, with the, how these films are quite realistic and how they could actually happen, the way they'd done Two-Face was so good. Yeah. You, you know, it wasn't this eccentric comic book character that had, a, like, a split base with, like, white and then this, like, heaven and hell. It was um, it was a proper realistic character. It'd be very interesting to see how they'd done the Riddler. I mean, yeah. I, I, if it's in the Penguin, how could they do that? Yeah. Trying to even think of who they would actually cast as the penguin. Personally, for me, I think Fern Troyer. <laughs> no, um, for me, I would like to see Penguin making an appearance in 
Nolan's universe because I would like to see how Nolan would approach the character because he's been very smart with the way he's approached the likes of Joker and Two-Face and all that sort of stuff so it'll be interesting to see where you know what would Penguin's backstory be you know would it be similar to Returns or what would it be for me an actor who I think would be very good as Penguin um, he's not you know a Danny DeVito like or anything like that but I think he's a very good and capable actor that could pull it off is Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah I think I've said that he could be he could be the Penguin haven't they that would be I would love that. I think just the way he can, you know, if you look at uh, Mission Impossible 3, the way he plays the bad guy in Mission Impossible 3, just the tone of his voice and the evil, you know, in that voice, I think would be perfect for a penguin. I honestly can't think of anyone um, who I want. Maybe somebody like, say, Cameron Diaz or someone like that as Catwoman. Well, speaking of Catwoman, the way, obviously, we had in Begins, we saw the Joker card. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a hint towards Dark Knight. We see the comment after the initial opening fight with, uh, obviously, there's a vigilante, Batman and all, but he's attacked by dogs. Yeah. And he goes back and he says to Lucius, you know, I need better, you know, body armor and all that sort of stuff. And he asks, you know, will it do okay against dogs? And Lucius goes, I suppose it'll do okay against cats. Yeah. I see that as maybe another drop and hint towards the possibility of Catwoman in the next movie. Who knows? Well, they do, I, I, I just hope they do it good. I mean, because the third movie of, of films is normally not... Is, of superhero films is normally pretty bad. Going over the previous few years, like, obviously, X-Men 3, I thought was terrible. And, um... But was it? Was the other one? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider-Man Three was awful. So yeah. I think I I, tr- I trust in Nolan. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think he'll rush it. He'll take his time. He'll work it out, and he'll make sure it's good. Because I don't think he's the sort of person that'll. No. Because I think he's planning that either this or one one more. Um, it's going to be the last in his you don't want universe. You don't want another Schumacher on your hands. No, that's exactly right. You really don't. You want the part and you don't want the Schumacher. Well, that's what Nolan says. He doesn't want to stay as welcome. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> but uh, finally, I think we all realise what this is going to be. So, rank, Chris? Uh, what did I rank as? Two. Um, Lawrence? One. And one for me. <laughs> So, full house by me and Lawrence. I want prizes, millions of them. Give me that syringe pen you got from the game uh, conference. That was mine. Huh? <laughs> Brett. But, uh, me and Lawrence, full house, Chris, you let us down. Yay, so I have a difference of opinion. <laughs> well, we'll round up here by um, a bit of a quick fire here of other stuff. Uh, so, uh, favourite Batman actor, Lawrence? Ooh, can I pick two? No, one, quick. Yep, it's quick fire. Quick. Oh, oh, oh. Ledger. Okie dokie. Uh, Chris? Keaton. Uh, Ledger, for me, when it comes to a villain actor, which we're going to touch on, Batman actor Keaton. Uh, oh, 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 I'd go for that as well. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite villain, as in just the character, Lawrence? As in the character, yes. uh, Ledger's Joker. Joker Nicholson. It's Ledger again for me when it comes to the villain, and then You're such the copycat. It's true though; he was very good at. Shh, fine, on. fine. Um, <laughs> Lawrence has already done his favorite villain actor. It's going to be essentially mine as well, anyway, because it's Ledger's the same character and Nicholson. Nicholson again, fair enough. Um, this is going to be probably a wee bit more of a thought, uh, Lawrence. Favorite moment in Batman movies? 
when the credits roll at the end of Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's actually acceptable. Fair enough, Chris. Um, whenever you see the birth, uh, no, the end of Batman begins whenever you see the Joker card turnover. Card. Yeah. Um, for me, it would have to be, um, and this is sadly um, me and my car. Fed George up. Clooney's nipples. Okay. No, <laughs> me and cars is just the tumbler, just throughout the entire series, and the sadness no. I felt in Dark Knight when it got blew up. Can I uh, go for another one as well? My, one of my favourite, I mentioned it when we done Batman Returns, was um, when Walken was going to push Michelle Pfeiffer through the window. And he'd he yeah. done it, and then he didn't, and then he did. No, he scared her. That was awesome. I think that must have been ad-libbed. That was awesome. I love that bit. Very, just evil. That's sweet. Um, do you have a favourite music track that stands out, Lawrence? Uh, the Danny Elfman score from the first two um, Batman films. And it was um, obviously the score for the uh, cartoon as well. Sweet, Chris. Yeah, just like the Danny Elfman Batman tracks. The real, the real, track. yeah, the yeah. real orchestra stuff yeah. really hits yep. home with it, so it does. Yeah. That's the same for me. And uh, obviously, again, I'm not the best with quotes, but Lawrence, do you have a favourite quote from the Batman series? Probably, um, why so serious? And also, I really like, uh, you know, you have a dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. Sweet, Chris. Those are my balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, just those are my balloons, and uh, uh, I can't really think of anything from Batman Begins. Um, no, those are my balloons. I think for me, it would probably be the likes of Danny DeVito's Penguin, and just the sort of things he would come up with. The likes of I saw her first, just all the wee quick snappy lines from. Yeah. <laughs> but that is us. That is Batman complete. So. We will round up by passing it over to our good friend Lawrence with uh, a little promotion that he would like to do for his future involving Fu- Voodoo Vegas and future endeavors. <laughs> future endeavors <laughs> yeah. with Voodoo Vegas and a certain band called Fozzy. Oh yes, yes. Well, we are playing with uh, Chris Jericho's Fozzy, who I believe is 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 going to be a guest or has been a guest. Has been, has been a guest. Has been a guest. Yes. Has been a guest on uh, on Operation Retroshock on in Yeovil and Southampton on October nineteenth and twentieth. But if any of you fine listeners of Operation Retroshock would like to check out Voodoo Vegas, please check out voodoovegas.com. If you like the music video, leave us a comment on our Facebook page on the uh, on the message board, and I will uh, send you the send you the song from so so kind. Are you guys going to play the show out with that? Are you? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yes, we will always play um, the awesomeness that is Voodoo Vegas. Yes. So, Lawrence, uh, we just want to thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you back on again after our Ghostbusters and WrestleMania 8 discussion uh, to discuss Batman and taking up not one but two episodes. So, hopefully, you're happy enough with that. Thank you. And uh, just thank you for uh, supporting the podcast and being a loyal friend of the podcast. And hopefully, we'll have you on again at some stage. Thank you, yeah, very. I'd, I'd love it. I've got to say to everyone that listens, that you got to tell all your friends about this podcast because I love it. I always listen to it. So <laughs> definitely tell all your friends, invite all your friends to the Facebook page, spread the word of Operation Retro Shock. It's Sp- a great podcast. Spread the word, spread the love. But uh, <laughs> with, with that, <laughs> <laughs> with that, um, obviously we're going to have Voodoo Vegas for so unkind to play us out. So uh, I've been Chris Vent. I've been Alan Price. Who have you been? Lawrence Batman Wayne. Okay. Case. And um, <laughs> so, thank you all for listening. And uh, what have we got coming up next? We've got stuff coming up next. So uh, just listen to Voodoo Vegas and uh, enjoy. Yes. And uh, Alan, last word. <laughs>
you in my bed. 